Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your AEW Forbidden Door post-show for Monday, June 26, 2023. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Monday morning. Wherever you may be, always joined by my AEW partner in crime, the Chi-Town Smark himself. Jesse, how are you feeling on this? Uh, it's Monday morning for me. It's not Monday morning for you yet. But how are you feeling tonight, man, after what was a tremendous AEW Forbidden Door pay-per-view? Good, man. What's going on out there? Feel good. Great show. I feel good, too, man. A little tired. A little long uh, in the... Uh, Wrestling department tonight, as always, by AEW. But when you got the level of pro wrestling that you got tonight over a span of four hours, five hours, if you include the zero hour pre-show, yeah, I mean, I can't really, I can't I saw, really complain, bro. I saw, I, I saw a couple of sprinkled complaints about the length and just proof that you just can't make everyone happy, man. Someone. No. 
Everyone in the wrestling world would love a show where they combine different promotions. We got it, and they complained that we got too much of it. Yeah. Turn it off after three hours. What the yeah. fuck? Just, just turn it off. Well, I mean, uh, it, it, listen, man, it's not Monday Night Raw, right? Oh. Monday Night Raw feels like fucking, it's a three-hour show. It feels like seven hours on Monday. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, got, you got five hours tonight, man, and, and Monday Night Raw doesn't include what we got tonight with Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. Holy shit. Ooh, man. Yeah, something should have closed. I know. I, I know. It's, uh, it, it's, it's weird how things work out, man. It's weird how uh, you, you get excited about something and then... You kind of put it in the back of your head like this is going to be, there's no way this shit could be fucking bad. Not to say that Brian and Okada was bad, but it it just, it fell flat because of what happened earlier in the show. And we'll obviously get to that. Um, But but quick, guys, you know, I know it's late. I know everybody is um, probably sleeping. They're in bed like normal human beings, getting ready for the work week to start on Monday. But uh, Jesse and I appreciate those that have stopped by today to listen to us. Yes. Uh, sound like Marks because we enjoyed pro wrestling on a Sunday night and we got a one hundred. Oh, we got a one hundred dollar <laughs> super chat. My brother JD tonight AEW New Japan gave us a real professional whoa, whoa, wrestling whoa, show. Whoa, I am lucky whoa. to be alive to see whoa. it. This says, man donated I'm already dead. What? Read his whole super I chat. I just did, bro. I got to read it again, man. I'm tired. The whole Ugh. super chat. My brother JD and my brother Jesse. Oh. Tonight, AEW New Japan gave us real professional wrestling. I'm lucky to be alive to see it. I'm already dead with a $100 super chat. Early in the morning. Thank you, brother. As always, we are happy that you are with us tonight on the live stream. Um, And that is the general feeling, Jesse, after what we saw tonight. People are incredibly lucky to be in the presence and have the opportunity to watch some of the level of professional wrestling that we saw tonight. And... I don't even know how to go about reviewing this show. You know, when I when I did the takeovers and I did all of NXT, man, those shows were just so difficult for me to review because it, so it's it, it's just so much. So much you know, it, there, there's a lot of good. There's rarely any bad. And it's like, all right, I, I'm good at pinpointing the bad and telling you how to make it good. But I always found it to be difficult to take the good and talk about the good. And when it's great, it's like, what the fuck do you talk about when Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega went 40 minutes tonight, man? I'm not going to break down this fucking match for 40 minutes, you know? You, 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 you talk about how fantastic it was, man. I know. That was it. You know, the, the it felt like the pre-show and the earlier matches happened, like, on the last show or something yesterday or some shit. Like, well, for yeah. you, it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, man, there's just so much to dive into tonight. Uh, I, I'm really just going to have a fucking free-for-all with, with this shit. We'll, we'll, we'll go down over how these matches ended and what, what the conclusions was or what the conclusions were of these matches tonight. But I, I'll leave it up to you, Jesse. I'll let you start the floor. What, what do you want to talk about, man? There's so much that happened tonight. What was the biggest takeaway? What was your favorite part of the show that you want to start off tonight with on the podcast? Well, let's let's start with something happening right now. There's something going on with the media scrum. Of course, there is. Or the is lack CM thereof. Punk there? 
Okay, wait, wait. Okay, it just now started. There we okay, go. It, okay. It it just started. Sting is out there. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, it, it took a long time to get started. People were speculating that something was going on backstage. In the media scrum, don't know what it could be. Oh, Sting! Sting, can I ask you a question? <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a disclaimer. <laughs> I just need a visual oh, disclaimer man. up. Issa, in the chat, where you been? Shout out to my yeah. favorite content creator in the wrestling community, Issa, the NYC ah. Demon Diva, man. She Let's sent some of her uh, viewers over here to uh, hang out with us after she was done, man. There we go, man. That's, That's how lovely up. Issa is. We love Issa. That's- Let's, let's let's start with the with the elephant in the room. How one main event match was significantly better than the other one, yeah. In the placement of them and everything else, I want to start with this, and I want to make this abundantly clear to to those out there thinking this: Okada versus Brian was not a bad no match. Okay. Guys, hey, how the fu- first of all, Jesse, how the fuck could it be a bad match when Tony Khan already bought the rights to Europe's final countdown and right. Brian came out with that music tonight? Man, can you believe that? Oh, I mean, the, I man, was the man works quick, bro. Tony Khan, Tony Khan has already solidified himself as the GOAT just because of that. Even on hitting paid for it, man. There you go. Hey, look at that. See, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna quickly put this into perspective right away. If you went out there and raced. A brand new Lamborghini versus a brand new Ferrari, okay? And the Lamborghini wins by a significant margin. That does not make the Ferrari slow. It just didn't beat the Lamborghini. Yeah. That Ferrari would still beat the shit out of any other car on the street. It just didn't beat this particular car on this particular day. There was nothing wrong with the Brian Okada match. No, it would. It just was not as good as Omega and. And, and there are several different aspects uh, that uh, led the IWGP US title match to be the clear-cut match of the night over Okada and Brian, which everybody thought was going to be the match of the fucking century tonight, right. and, and it did not come close to that. Now, like Jesse said, it wasn't a bad match. It was a completely different style of match. On one hand, you have Brian and Okada who were wrestling to prove to each other who's the best wrestler on the planet. Okada's the face of New Japan. Brian is arguably the best wrestler on the face of the planet right now, uh, depending on what circle you uh, dwell in in the IWC, in the wrestling community. Uh, On the other hand, with Omega and Osprey, bro, this was a blood feud. This was uh, something that was being built over a a few years now. You add the heat magnet known as Don Callis and what he added to the match tonight. I mean, it's just two completely different matches, two completely different vibes. And I don't think Tony Khan realized what was going on with Omega and Osprey. And I I, I think he felt like we did. Like, I mean, this is a fucking dream match with Okada and Brian happening for the first time ever. It's got a main event. It's got a main event. And that's the decision that he came up with. And that's the reason why he came up with that decision and put it on last. But the, the matches were two completely different matches. And it's just the way the cookie crumbles. To be honest, I would have went with the other match. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. okay? I'm not trying to say, oh, I knew which one was going to be better. I would have went with the other match 
just because it was a title match. That's it. Yeah. That's it. If I had to pick one, Omega was defending his title, so I would have put that one on last just for that reason. The other one has no title. This one has a title. Fine. That's like a coin flip for me. Either one could have main evented, but since there's a title on the line, it, it, it adds to the ambiance of a main event, so I would have put it on last. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, a championship match, obviously, is something that should be looked at in deciding what match goes on last. But like I said, Tony Khan had booked this match. He wanted to book this match last year. Uh, The cards were not in the uh, favor of Tony Khan there. But he got it this year, and he booked it based on dream match, you know, first time ever. It's got to go on last. But the story of the Omega match with Osprey obviously was a lot greater than what we got with Brian and Okada. There was a story there. I mean, it's as simple as a fucking, uh, you know, uh, wrestling story can be. You know, I'm better than you. I'm the best wrestler in the world, and let's wrestle to find out who that is. It it is a story. Is it it a story that played out over weeks of television? No. That's why the Omega Osprey match had so much heat coming into it is because there was already a foundation built there. It, It seemed like that Omega... And Osprey was always going to be the choice for the match of the night, just based off that. And when we got what we got tonight, they proved that story is greater than than everything. You know, without a story, you you don't really have much of anything, no matter how good the performers and no matter how good the match is. But I I do feel after what we saw tonight, I do think that we get Brian and Okada in in a match too. I do think that we get that possibly at a Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom sometime uh, next year. I I don't think this is the end for them. I, I I, I do think that there's a lot of canvas still left to be painted with these two you know? obviously yeah of course man yeah. there's a everything that we get tonight can 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 continue and you know carry on forbidden door three maybe something happening over in japan you know nothing was conclusive here tonight and yeah. it was a fantastic show man yeah it was a, it was a great show i never felt bored during the show there was obviously obviously some low points in the show which we will talk about as well but the Omega Osprey match, I, I know a lot of people are already claiming match of the year. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue with you if you say that because what they did tonight was absolutely fucking breathtaking. I mean, sometimes when a match like that happens, you, you're left speechless. There's nothing more you can say. You just watch and you appreciate the level of talent that both Kenny Omega and Will Osprey is. Uh, I don't know, Jesse, how you look at that match and not claim that Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers ever, you know, and the same thing with Will Ospreay. You know, I know a lot of these Mark podcasters, these ex-pro wrestlers now turn Mark podcasters, they'll claim that Kenny um, can't wrestle and that Kenny sucks and he wrestled fucking uh, a seven-year-old girl in Japan. He wrestled blow-up dolls or whatever the fuck they want to go out there and claim. But I I don't know why that really has a bearing on what the man does in the ring on a... A uh, huge stage like this when he's asked to go out there and wrestle. And Will Ospreay, man, I'll tell you, it is very easy for me to have those words roll off the tongue. Will Ospreay may be, you talk about Brian Danielson, bro. Will Ospreay may be the best fucking pro wrestler in the world. I, I don't give a shit what anybody says. The man is just fucking inhuman. He's not even human. There's, there's no way that this man is fucking born a human being, bro. Honestly. He's, he's, so, he's so good. I don't know how they have Sonata booked um, above Ospreay over there, but I don't watch the product. So I don't know, you know, it could be a totally different feel over there. But, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like this guy should be the head of the company over there. 
Really? I mean, the only thing that's hindering Osprey from being the face of the company and head of the company as world champion is the fucking injuries. He's not healthy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what this match did to uh, add on top of the uh, you know mounting injuries that the man is going through and banged up fucking body that he's got. But I mean, he wrestles out there like he's impervious to pain. That's the whole style. That's the New Japan style. Everyone they beat the shit out of each other over there. That's what they do. You know. I mean, I don't know how he does it either, but he to me he. I mean, from what I can see, I saw their world champion tonight, and to me, Will Ospreay is by far and away the best talent that they have. Now, the, the, the one takeaway from this match, outside of how fucking breathtaking it was, uh, it's just beautiful pro wrestling. This is why we watch the fucking sport, these two guys and what they did. Um, I don't know what Will Ospreay's contract status is with New Japan. Clearly, he won the title, so he's not going anywhere. He's still over there. But Don Callis... You know, he keeps talking about a family, Jesse, and he's going to make uh, a family to take out the elite. I don't know who the fuck that is. I, I don't know if that is the, the case. He wants to build a family to take out the elite. I don't know if his family is the Blackpool Combat Club. I don't know. But he seems to be in cahoots with Will Ospreay. Who's to say that Will Ospreay, at the end of his New Japan run, doesn't come over here and join AEW full-time? That's a very strong possibility. I don't see why he would not want to. I mean, he's... I mean, completely over over here. I mean, everyone knows that. And that's another reason why this match should have been in the main event. We have we have Kenny Omega, the hometown hero. The, well, they're both Canadian. And you add in Don Callis, who is also Canadian. So the, the home crowd has a lot invested into this match. And it's a title match. You know, I don't see how this match didn't go on last. Just for the story they have involved in it, the hometown people, the title, definitely should have closed. Yeah. Yeah, this was this was a tremendous match. Uh, if you guys did not watch the show and you're catching up with us to watch it at a later time, maybe tomorrow or later in your week because it's something that happened too late, I, I, I'm telling you right now, man, if you miss this match, you need to go back and watch it. People are calling it match of the year. Uh, it may be match of the fucking decade. There is so much great wrestling coming out of AEW this year. You know, my match of the year before tonight was MJF and Brian Danielson in the Iron Man match, a revolution. You know, that that still may be the case because that's just on a completely different level uh, of a match going 60 minutes. But, I mean, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay weren't even that far off, to be quite honest with you. With the, the, the match no. that they had, holy shit. So no, nobody can really argue with it. I can, I can sit here and say it was Omega and Osprey. You can sit there and say it was MJF yeah. and Brian. And we can have a couple of beers and powwow about it. And it's a, you know, a fantastic discussion to yeah. have. Yeah. You know, I mean, as long as you're not telling me, you know, Dana Brooke versus, you know, who the fuck ever was the best match. I mean, that's a discussion to be had. I mean, there's no wrong in that at all. Come on, man. You got you to gotta mention Dana Brooke, bro. Bro, Dana Brooke is the first person there and the last one to leave every fucking day. <laughs> He's also one of the worst women's wrestlers ever. What the f- I tried to keep a straight face. <laughs> if you're new to the chat, we don't we don't like Dana Brooke over here, man. She's uh hit the hit the bricks, honey. Um anyway, yeah, yeah, Jesse, you you're you're correct about that. And um uh, again, you know, this is the second match that they had this year. It will it will be in the top three. They, they may occupy two two of these top spots in the top three, and then MJF and Brian 
You know, I'm already thinking about uh, best re- best wrestling matches of the year. So, I mean, wh- whether you didn't like uh, the pay per view or not, you know, didn't watch it, or, uh, didn't watch the pay per view tonight, or if you, you hate AEW, you can't take anything away from these guys. This is this is wrestling on a different level. I, I had people. I'll tell you after the show's over, Jess. I had people in my DMs that you wouldn't believe. To ask me how 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 was the Omega match? How was the Osprey match? People, bro, people who you don't think were watching this show were watching this fucking show. This is how this is how the Excalibur said this was a love letter to professional wrestling tonight. This is why we want Forbidden Door. This is why we're so excited about Forbidden Door. Where else is this shit gonna happen here in the states, Jesse? Nowhere, man. Nowhere. This is a beautiful thing, and I'm telling you right now, I don't care what. Nick Khan says, I don't care what Paul says, I don't care what anyone says over there in the E. There is no way in hell that they watched it. And first off, they watched the show. Oh, they I can tell you firsthand they watched the show. Yeah, they watched the show. Yeah. So that being said, there's no way in hell they watched the show and didn't get a little jealous of the whole environment and, yes. the, and the ambiance and everything they had going on. But because this was just awesome for pro wrestling. Yeah. It was just awesome. And Toronto, you guys killed it tonight, man. You were you were energetic throughout the entire show. There wasn't really uh, any any real dead spots all night, and uh, you kept that energy up for uh, five hours. So uh, good on yes. you guys. Um, outside the two mega main event matches that this show was really built upon, worth every fucking penny of the fifty dollars on pay per view. We had MJF, Jesse MJF, defending the AEW World Championship against Mister Hiroshi Tanahashi, and I read your uh, your text. Last night on the collision stream in regards to you comparing him to a broken down Kurt Angle. My God, dude. After his match I, with Swerve on Saturday night, man, which I agree with you. I mean, he he, he did not look good on Saturday. He actually looked better tonight against MJF, which I expected him to because I was, MJF, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say it. He did not look as bad as no. he did. And he still looked bad. He just did not look as bad as he no, did against no, that's Swerve. That, I mean, that, that's just the MJF effect. Um, yeah. The, the match with Tanahashi and MJF, that tonight, it opened the show, which I have no problem with because, you know, MJF, it fits his character. He's already stated that he wants to get the fuck out of there. He called uh, New Japan uh, indie jabronis. I think tonight he had uh, on the back of his uh, on the back of his robe, he said, uh, New Japan is an indie fed or something like that. And uh, on his elbow pad, he said, ace is ass on his elbow pad. Because they call Tanahashi the ace, and he said the ace is ass. I mean, typical MJF I mean, troll shout behavior. Out, shout out to MJF, man. He he made that match bro, everything this, that it is. Bro, this guy this guy scheduled a tweet to go out during the match, <laughs> letting people know that, which obviously he didn't. He he was trolling people, saying that when the scheduled tweet went out, he he would have already beaten Tanahashi. Yeah, and then he was going to be on the way out of Toronto because Toronto sucks. That was fucking awesome. Man. And then uh, he videoed himself on Twitter leaving the venue and going to the airport. Oh, uh, did he? I missed that one. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He's a fucking asshole, man. I Whoa. love it. But the, the match with Tanahashi and MJF, Tanahashi looked like shit on Saturday night against Swerve. Tonight, he didn't look half as bad because MJF works the style that Tanahashi needs to be working. Yes. The match itself tonight, Jesse, with MJF and Tanahashi... It was such a throwback to classic 1980s professional wrestling, man. You you take this championship match and 
you put it on in the 1980s. I mean, it's it's a beautiful fucking world championship match that reminded me of an old school Ric Flair match. There was shenanigans. MJF was playing up to the crowd. He was, you know, uh, dancing around there, trolling Tanahashi with the air guitar. You know, the ending was typical MJF cheating to win with the with the dynamite diamond ring. It was a slow, methodical match with some parts where it sped up. MJF had the whole abdominal stretch. He's holding the rope, and Bryce Remsburg catches him on the third time, catches him cheating. It was just a beautiful throwback to classic old-school wrestling, and that's exactly what it needed to be. And yes. I knew MJF was going to make the match. Um, I, I don't, I want, I don't want to say it was a great match because MJF's been in obviously a lot better, but... It's exactly what it needed to be. It didn't do too much. They took the simple as best approach here, and they they fucking nailed it. They did. They they did. It it it, it didn't feel like MJF was doing his best to 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 make the match um, longer than it needed to be. He did work a lot slower. He did work a lot slower and more methodical than Swerve did. And Swerve did his best to slow down for this guy, man. But Swerve is just. I mean, he he's just fucking fantastic, man. He's I mean, he he tells his story more with his wrestling moves. MJF was taunting the crowd and mocking, you know, Tanahashi. He was doing his best, man. He was doing his best, but Swerve just could not slow down enough for this guy, and MJF pulled it off. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this match. I'm glad that it opened the show, like I mentioned before. A lot of people were like, well, isn't the AEW title something that should go on last? If this was WWE, JD would be shitting all over it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, okay, do you see the level of competition that's on this fucking card? You know, Roman Reigns opens the show defending the World Championship. Why can't MJF do that? It actually makes more sense for MJF to want to do that because of the the character that he plays where he puts down a promotion like New Japan and he wants to get the fuck out of the city of Toronto and go back to Plainview, Long Island or wherever Dynamite's going to be on Wednesday. This fit his character perfect. I don't mind that this opened the show. This was... You know, a, a fine match for what it was, Jesse. And it wasn't something that, you know, I, I would say the outcome was in jeopardy. I think we all knew MJF was winning this match and retaining the title. So why the fuck not? And, and yeah. Every time MJF's music hits, that crowd fucking just erupts to a, a different octave, bro. Yeah. You know, it's a great yeah. way to start the show. Yeah, it's perfect. No, I wouldn't. I mean, if, if you're going to put MJF on the show, he definitely needed to open. Yeah. So this is uh, something that, you know, it, it did exactly what it needed to do. I have no problem with what they did in the open, and MJF did win the match with the Dynamite Diamond Ring, cheap shot to the face uh, in the opening match to retain the AEW championship. Uh, The other big thing that happened tonight, Jesse, was literally in the second match, the match that followed, uh, this was quite interesting, man. They followed MJF with uh, number one villain here in Canada for the entire weekend, Mr. Phil Brooks, CM Punk, he went in there in the first round of the Owen Cup against Satoshi Kojima. This is an Owen Hart Cup tournament match. And I know a lot of people, man, me and you included, were not really thrilled with the announcement of this match. There were rumors that it would have been Kenta in the first round and it would have been GTS versus GTS. Obviously, things fell apart there. Uh, I don't know how likely that match was going to be on this card, but... You know, there were rumors that Kenta has problems with New Japan management, and, you know, uh, it would have been a political nightmare, so I'm actually glad it didn't happen. Uh, not to take anything away from Kojima, but obviously Kenta is the bigger name. Now, looking back at what happened here tonight, Jesse, I thought this match was actually fucking great. I enjoyed the shit out of this match, 
And I know a lot of people are looking at CM Punk under the microscope. You and I included. You a little bit more than me. And I would say, in the debut of Collision, Jesse, CM Punk was taking a very slow approach. He was trying to get his fucking bearings. He was trying to get his feet wet. I, I, I kind of compared it to CM Punk at the pool in the summer, and the pool is not really, you know, optimum temperature. He dipped his toes in the pool. It was a little too chilly to dive in. So he, he wanted to dip his toes to see what the temperature was like. All right, let me get my, uh, let me get a little comfortable here. The second week, which was last night on Collision, he actually got into the pool and he felt that the temperature was a little bit warmer and he wrestled a little bit more, a little bit better than he did the week before. Tonight, man, he showed the fuck up. And I think CM Punk tonight put a lot of people, uh, a lot of doubters to rest, shut them up. I thought he did fucking tremendous tonight. He's got that bravado about him again. He's got that brazen fucking cocky, prick-like attitude. I don't know if that's just the Toronto thing because they were booing him. We'll have to see when he gets back to the States if that's going to be a thing outside Chicago. But he's got that attitude, man. He's got that top star mentality. He's got that confidence back. I'm loving what we're seeing from CM Punk. And he is absolutely, right now through two weeks, he's made this return to television better than when he did for for, uh, the first go-around after seven years. Well, it's definitely more interesting. I can yes. tell you that. Yes. I mean, he's, he, he, he looks he, he looks better too, Jess. I think he's actually he, wrestling better now than he did uh, when he first came back after seven years. Well, I'm going to... All right, so I'm just going to call it like I see it because that's what you want me to do, right? Yes, yes. I, I, I don't think there's anything special about punk wrestling, physically wrestling, in-ring work rate. I think punk did a phenomenal job telling a story in the ring. Punk reminds me a lot of Cody um, in this day and age. You put Cody in a match, and he's going to tell a phenomenal story. And to me, this match felt more like Punk versus the Toronto crowd than it was versus um, than it was Punk versus Kojima. It was that crowd wanted to boo Punk and cheer whoever he was in the ring with, and that's just what they did. And Punk spent a lot of this time playing up to the crowd, um, you know, just 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 digging in the heel moves and just just letting the crowd know that I don't care if you fucking boo me and all of that shit made the match very 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 good and very interesting. So don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that it sucked, it did not suck, but I've seen Punk wrestle way better, way 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 better, you know, over the years. But he's telling phenomenal stories in the ring, and that I can appreciate. Because that match had nothing. That match had no heat. It had nothing. And if it wasn't for that Toronto crowd just trying to boo the shit out of him, no one would have gave a shit about this match. But Punk worked the crowd, and he made them more interested and more vested. And that I like. I could appreciate that. Yeah, the match had no had no heat coming into it. I mean, it's tough to uh, make a match with a week's notice, put it on a show like this, and then have people legitimately care. But CM Punk... You know, it just adds to his overall value and star power to the company that you put him in any situation, no matter how hot or cold it is, and he's going to come out and make it one of the biggest deals that you got for the night. And he passed this with flying colors. You know, you say that he wrestled better, you know, in previous stints that you saw him wrestling. Why why are we comparing CM Punk, I don't know, 
you know, seven years ago to CM Punk now. Clearly, he was a lot younger, a lot yeah, more mobile, a, a lot, a lot more mobile. I, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming back from a debilitating injury like he did and having that doubt, you know, for all those months, can I still do this? Maybe I should have never come back. You know, I don't see any hesitation on him. I don't see any timidness on him. I don't see him going in there scared. He's actually come on in in two weeks and embraced legitimately everything from the crowd to the reactions to the hatred to the love to the amount of fucking wrestling that he's going to need to do to have this, you know, run. Basically, he's going to be carrying the company on his back. There's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And, and right now, through two weeks, he's not going into this afraid of anything. He's just fucking going head, head first into the pool, bro. That's what I no. appreciate. That's what I respect about him. No, no, I could, I could definitely appreciate. And yeah, man, it's, I mean, the, the guy is much older. So yeah, that's, you know, it's not fair to be like, ah, oh, it's not like it was when he was younger. No, no, I, I, I understand that. But it means, I just don't see him like, you know, tearing down the ring. You can't, I don't feel like you can put Punk in an Iron Man match with no. Brian Danielson. No, 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 no I, I agree that's, with you. I would not. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, you know, and they're about the same age, but yeah. you know, but. Punk can't go like that, but not everyone can. That's why he's Brian fucking Danielson, the man. But I mean, but he's telling fantastic stories in the ring in a match that really, to me, had no heat behind it, and he gave it some heat, and it was fucking interesting, and it was it was a good match. So that I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to say. I can appreciate what he did um, with what he had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Kojima looked great, too. I don't want to take anything away from Kojima. Kojima, uh, he looks like a fucking brick house. He was built to the gills. Um, He flexed his pecs throughout this match, showing you how in shape he really is. And Punk did win the match with the GTS. Uh, It was a hard-hitting match, but this was not an easy night for Punk. He took a fucking beating in there from Kojima. But this is what he wanted. He wanted to wrestle Kojima. Kojima wanted to wrestle Punk. This was a long time coming. They put it in the tournament, and they masked the match happening uh, on the 11th hour, in the 11th hour, booked by Tony Khan literally two weeks ago, uh, and they put it in the tournament. So it made it feel a little bit more important than it would if it was just going into this pay-per-view as a singles match cold with nothing behind it. Um, Do you feel, Jesse, with Punk winning this match, that he's going to be the odds-on favorite not to win the entire tournament? Do you think Tony Khan's going to give Punk the Owen this year because of his love for Brett, 
His obviously, you know, FTR loves Brett. They they love everything Bret Hart, Owen Hart. Is it going to be something where Tony gives CM Punk the Owen this year and kind of bypasses someone like Will Hobbs, someone like Ricky Starks, who would probably benefit from this tournament more than a CM Punk? No, no. They they should definitely give it to Punk. Let him win the tournament, and as soon as that tournament is over, put him in a match with MJF and have Punk win the world title because Punk is the best at everything ever. Uh, now I know. Now I know you're fucking bullshit, bro. No, no, no. Because if I say anything different, it's I'm a punk hater. But you're not a punk hater. No. I, after all that I just said, I just said, oh, I don't think he's fantastic at in ring work. But my God, he's telling a great story. I get people in the chat. All right, he's a punk hater. So punk should win the tournament. Punk should win all the titles. Punk should win everything. Uh, so Punk should win the all one. Punk should win yeah, uh, the world yeah. title and beat MJF. Punk, yeah, and, Punk, uh, yeah, Punk needs that. Yeah, he, he needs he, that tournament. Okay, and he, the title. Just give give him uh, all the titles. Actually, yeah, international he, he, title. He, Punk needs that title. tournament. If Punk don't win that tournament, his career is over. We don't need any young guys winning it. We need Punk to win it. Okay. It's gonna go down. Does that, sound, does that sound better for you guys? Yeah, it sounds sound great. Better. Sounds great, man. Sounds fantastic. Sounds, sounds better. Yeah. To make him into uh, AEW's version of Roman Reigns. How about that? Perfect. Perfect. Go. Punk wins everything. The Chicago Chief. There you go. Perfect. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm drunk because I didn't like Punk's in-ring work. I'm drunk because I think he told a fantastic story in the ring, even without putting on a five-star wrestling match. So, All right, well, 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 listen, don't even don't look at the chat. I don't know why you're looking at the chat. OK, I, I get the same shit about Charlotte Flair when I say Charlotte Flair is overrated and not the greatest women's okay. wrestler of all time. What are you? You're crazy, man. Charlotte is the greatest ever. Just, no, no, she's not. Even the, she's not even the best women's wrestler on her brand. Fuck out of here, man. Yeah. Does Tony yeah. give CM Punk the Owen? Is it right for him to win the Owen this year? Yeah. Why not? Now you, what, you you what? legitimately you legitimately feel that way. It doesn't mean anything. The Owen don't mean nothing. Adam Cole won it last year. What did he get for it? He got to hold Britt Baker's hand. He does it every night, and he holds more than just her hand. <laughs> <laughs> he got a nice little belt around his waist, man, from the Owen. You know, he got the he got title. a trophy. There's, those titles are sitting at home on their mantle. Yeah. So I mean, who can I mean? In a nutshell, who cares? Give it to Punk. That's what people want, right? I guess. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, we're looking at a Samoa Joe CM Punk second round match. I mean, you got to be excited about that, right? That I am. Okay. That I am excited about, to be honest. I want to see them one-on-one going at it. So I, I am excited about that. As long as Punk wins everything. Yeah, Punk's got to win everything. Yep. You guys are fucking crazy, man. Holy shit. Anyway, it, we got it's, the, it's either it's either Punk wins everything or he shouldn't win. No, I think Punk shouldn't win. See, 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 hating on Punk. Punk wins everything, bro. Listen, man, I got the same thing with Cody Rhodes. I, I, all I asked for was a little adversity into going into the fucking uh, title program with Roman Reigns and that that he shouldn't win it. Oh, you're a Cody hater, man. Like what? Because I don't see? want him to win right now. I'm a Cody hater. Yep. Nope. Going forward on this channel, you ask me any question about Punk, and I'm going to say Punk should win. Punk was great. Loved it. Right. Everything Punk. Punk's awesome. Yeah. Now you just got to get a new T-shirt, bro, and really uh, kind of sell the uh, love for CM Punk over there. Now I got to spend money on him, too? Yeah. 
You got a fun. You got a fun Larry's dog food fund, bro. Okay, there we go. Or maybe a dental program. I don't know. Nope. <laughs> OTS Tribal Queen says he's already been champ twice. Now she's out here hating on Punk. What the? F- I mean, what is this shit? There you go. Punk should win everything. Nobody. I mean, listen, man. You can hate Punk. No, you I'm can't. En- I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying. There are people that don't want him here, man. I am. I'm enjoying what he's doing right now. He looked great tonight. That's just Fantastic. me. Fantastic. Loved it. There you go. Jesse's honesty coming through, man. That's why I got him here. Orange Cassidy, man. He is the international champion. He defended that in a fatal four-way against ROH pure champion Kats, uh, Katsuyori Shibata, New Japan TV champion Zack Sabre Jr., and Daniel Garcia. Uh, this was a uh, very fun fatal four-way. I enjoyed this. Uh, it uh, had a little bit of everything, man. A little bit of chaos, a little bit of comedy. Um, it was 11 minutes or so with Orange Cassidy retaining the championship in a fatal four-way here for the international title. Um, what'd you think of this, man? Because I'm looking at this match tonight, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, I would have I would have loved to see Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre one-on-one, you know? Or maybe, or maybe Shibata versus Daniel Garcia one-on-one. But Tony Khan opted to put them in a fatal four-way, get everybody on the show. And I'm thinking Zack Sabre versus Orange Cassidy coming out of that Orange Cassidy-Will Ospreay match last year, man. I would love to see him go up against somebody completely different than what he did against Will Ospreay last year. Yeah, I mean, it. again, the, the, the card was already as long as it was and people already complaining about how long it was. So the more you do these singles matches, then the more matches you're going to have. Yeah. You got to condense the card somehow, right? I guess. I guess. Orange Cassidy uh, Orange Cassidy wins, man. He's still the international champion. Uh, a lot of people were like, well, maybe Daniel Garcia takes it because clearly a New Japan talent's not going to take the international title. Though they could because it actually fits the mold of the title. But I, I don't think tonight would have been the right place to take the title off of Orange Cassidy. And Daniel Garcia is not the guy I'm looking at. I'm looking at other guys right now, man, especially on the collision side of things to take that title off of off of uh, Orange Cassidy, Miro being one of them, Andrade being one, Buddy Matthews being another. Those are the types of guys that I want to see. So he, he yeah, continues. Brian's to, out. What are you talking about? That arm wasn't the work. He's out about eight weeks. Brian is out. Brian Danielson? Yeah. Yeah, that arm was a that arm was a shoot. Like really? He, uh, yeah, he's at he's at the podium right now in the cast. Um, yeah, he's out, man. He's gonna be out eight weeks. Well, that fucking sucks because we have blood and guts coming up in July. So now clearly that can't happen with him out. He's out. There was a rumor going around that blood and guts was going to be in Boston at the TD Garden in the middle of July. Maybe that's why the match was terrible. Maybe they cut it short. I don't know. I don't know where the I don't, I don't I don't recall where the injury actually came from. It was towards the end when he started holding his arm. Okay. It was towards the it was towards the end. But well, that's yeah, a he's 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 out. That's, Shit. That's a that's a terrible blow for uh, AEW fractured forearm says Paul Robles in the chat. Oh yeah. my goodness. Fuck. He's- so what do we do now? I mean, I guess we could still do the Blackpool Combat Club and uh, and the Elite without Brian. You know, I guess we do uh, four on four now. What do we do? 
You know, uh, after after tonight, I don't even know if Omega's going to be fucking making the match. Who the fuck knows? Oh, with what, Omega. With, with, with what happened to him, bro? Did you see the way he got dropped on his head tonight against Will Ospreay? Holy shit. Bro, that's the injury I'm worried about right now. I would love to see Kenny Omega walking around on his own if I could. That'd be great because he was helped out of the ring, and that was a pretty solid fall on his head and neck. That was yeah. not good. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. So I don't know what they're going to do with the uh, Blood and Guts match that's coming up next month. It's supposed to be happening in about three weeks. So we will see what happens. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., man, along with these uh, these other guys, Daniel Garcia, Orange Cassidy, and Shibata. I thought it was a fun match. And uh, Orange Cassidy wins, retains the title, man. His, his title reign, I, I don't want to sit here and compare it to anybody, but as far as AEW title reigns goes uh i would say that orange cassidy is uh he's pretty much up there man right and right under uh some of the big uh the big hitters in the world championship title scene as far as title runs he's he's tremendous with this title i don't think he's losing it anytime soon i don't think tony khan wants him without that title <laughs> clearly he wants him with the title and on tv as much as possible man in the opening match <laughs> yep every week every show i'm surprised he didn't open the pay-per-view uh, I know, but uh, yeah, he's still a great wrestler. You got to give him his credit. He's he's out there. He works a hard style. It's not like he's not working. He works a, a variety of different fucking styles in the ring that are opposing him. He's he, he's so good. He, he is yes. so good, and I think he deserves a, a lot more credit than you know people uh, want to give him. But you know that's just the way the cookie crumbles with Orange Cassidy. Nobody's gonna really uh, accept him because of the gimmick that he plays, but. I don't think these people get pro wrestling if they're making fun of his gimmick. He's playing a fucking character. Yeah. That's his character. I thought this was a fine match. Cassidy wins in about 11 minutes, retains the international championship. Sonata, not a big fan of Sonata, man, against Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Hook was out there in his corner. Sonata to me, man, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest with you guys. I'm going to be very blunt with you guys. Uh, I don't watch New Japan, clearly. Um, I've seen Sonata here and there, but man, Sonata looks fucking, and you guys can, you guys can chime in here if I'm wrong. He, he, he looks vanilla. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he looks like a typical generic fucking, uh, create a character from an international promotion, uh, played out on, on live television. Man, he is. His theme music is vanilla. I thought I was listening to fucking the soundtrack to, uh, Tekken or fucking Mega Man or something out there. I mean, what the fuck is this? Can you get any more generic than the fucking music that he came out to? Uh, you could listen to his music without knowing what he looked like, and you could tell he's from Japan, bro, and, and tell he's yeah. a Japanese wrestler just based off his music. Yeah, it, it, it. I'll give it this one. It feels like that if you are not in the know and not into the product, then there's no way for you to appreciate what he um, might be bringing to the table. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to get that in a one-off in your first time seeing him. So, yeah, I can understand it. Now, now, Jungle Boy, I was looking forward to this match. A lot of people were like, oh, I'm going to take a sleep. I'm going to take a nap during this match. I'm going to fall asleep. This match doesn't interest me. You know, first of all, this was an open challenge. Uh, second of all, Tony Khan loves Jungle Boy, so he's going to give Jungle Boy first crack at uh, the open challenge. You know, Tony Khan's got his favorites. This was a match built around favoritism. Um, I'm just being brutally honest with you. So that's the way that is. Um, but take nothing away from Jungle Boy, Jesse, and I think you can probably attest to this. 
and I said this on a Twitter spaces with my guy Andrew Baydala earlier uh, with a bunch of guys listening. Jungle Boy, every time he's on a major pay-per-view stage, he knocks it out of the park. I mean, he's not Jungle Boy Jack Perry when he gets to these pay-per-views, bro. He is pay-per-view Jack Perry. Uh, I think every time he's been on a pay-per-view, he's delivered a fucking banger. So I was I was actually expecting him to have a very good showing here. Uh, I just didn't realize and I didn't really anticipate how boring Sonata would be uh, coming into this thing. And the match really kind of felt flat. I honestly felt like the match did not get out of, you know, second gear. It never hit that next gear. It never hit that next uh, that next wave of momentum that it needed to hit. Well, yeah. I mean, so we don't we we don't know Sonata. We're not familiar with Sonata. The, the vast majority of um, the American fan base has no clue what Sonata brings to the table. They all know Jungle Boy. Everyone that bought this pay-per-view knows Jungle Boy, but not everybody knows who Sonata is. Yeah, it, it just, it didn't have any heat to it. No. It really, it really did not. Um, it has zero interest. I mean, who cared other than seeing the, you know, the, the IWGP champion versus Jungle Boy, which already felt like a mismatch you know, on paper. And then in execution, yeah, it wasn't all that exciting. Um, nothing exciting happened to, you know, Jungle Boy get up the ramp. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what everybody's talking about and what people were talking about as a possibility coming out of this match. Now, the commentary team tonight was Excalibur, Kevin Kelly, and Taz for most of the night. Up until this match. Taz left after this match. And I'll get to that in a second. Because I love how they kind of formulated this. With Taz and what happened at the end of this match. Now Jungle Boy did look competitive in this match. I'll give him that. He looked like he belonged. He had a very decent match with Sonata. Uh, Not a big fan of Sonata. And Jungle Boy held his own in there. He did lose. And he did not capture the IWGP World Heavyweight title. After the match was over. He walked up the ramp with Hook. Everything looked to be very kosher there with Hook. He gets to the top of the ramp. I thought we were good. We actually got a shot of the commentary team. And at that point, I'm like, all right, maybe we're not going to do the heel turn. All of a sudden, the camera goes back to Jungle Boy and Hook on the stage. And Hook is holding Jungle Boy's hand up in the air. One last ovation before he hits the fucking curtain going to the back. And Jungle Boy, Jesse, laid him out with a lariat. And the crowd rained booze. Down upon Jungle Boy, Taz yelled out a holy shit on commentary. After this was over, Jungle Boy goes to the back, Jesse. I love this. Taz was on commentary, takes his glasses off. When does Taz ever take his fucking glasses off? When he took the glasses off, you know Taz is about to fuck someone up. And he basically said, Jack Perry, he doesn't know what the fuck is coming to him. He's in some deep shit right now for what he did to his son. Now, I don't know if that's alluding to Taz getting involved with his son. I don't know if that means he's going to be a part of this storyline or if that means that he's vouching for his son and that his son is going to fucking kill Jack Perry after all this that happened tonight. But the heel turn happened, and Jungle Boy is now a heel. Now, we talked about this on Wednesday, Jesse. I was actually in favor of them staying a tag team. I was actually in favor of Jungle Hook staying a tag team and being some competition in the tag team ranks for the tag team titles if that's where Jungle Boy wanted to go to win a championship. Now, he turns to the dark side, and there are a multitude of things that I'd like to see as possibilities. Does he join Luchasaurus and Christian Cage again? Do we get that tag team back together as a heel tag team? I don't know. Or, we drop the Jungle Boy shit. He goes Hollywood Jack Perry, 
to take after his fucking father. He goes Hollywood Jack Perry. Maybe he joins the JAS, or better yet, Jesse, he goes heel. Hollywood Jack Perry, we get Anna JAS to leave the fucking JAS. You make them a fucking heel duo, heel uh, boyfriend-girlfriend duo, and you get this guy fucking with the rocket pack up the ranks. Yeah, I think that's the way to go. The The only, um, only weird part for me is trying to figure out the Jungle Boy-Christian Cage dynamic. Yeah. Because they're supposed to hate each other. All right. And you can't tell me that he's now okay with Christian Cage because he's, you know, frustrated and pissed off and shit like that. By my accounts, he should still hate Christian Cage. Well, he did tweet out after after Luchasaurus beats Wardlow. Christian's not the TNT champion, even though he wants you to think he is. Wardlow lost the title to Luchasaurus. Uh, Jack Perry actually tweeted out congratulations after Luchasaurus won the title. Dot, dot, dot. Now, I don't know if that means that's. He wants to get back into the good graces with his buddy, his ex-buddy. I don't know if there's going to be a pairing there, but that was an interesting tweet right after Luchasaurus won the TNT title. Yeah, it was. It was. In, yeah. in, in, in retrospect, yeah, it was. Now, a heel Jack Perry is a very interesting uh, thing to ponder. You know, does he have it within him to be a heel? I, I think so. You know, in, in the certain moments where he showed that flair and intensity in his feud with Christian Cage— you know, I can see him doing that with the crowd. He was actually playing up to the crowd that was booing him tonight, and he was doing, he was waving his hands in the air, and he's basically telling the fans to fuck off. You know, you want to wave your hands in front of, uh, and, you know, when my theme song hits, but do you really give a shit about me? You know, he's gonna, he's definitely gonna turn on the fans on Wednesday, Jess. He's gonna give us one of them promos that uh, Vince and Bruce love to cut. It's, it's you guys. It's all your fault. The fans blaming the fans. And in this case, it, it may actually come off really good if he does that. Oh, Wednesday night, blaming the fans. Well, his whole shtick is I mean, apparently going to be, for some reason, he can't win the big one. He's the only pillar to not get a yes. title and everything else. So you're a loser, and you want to blame the fans because yeah. you can't win? Yeah. I, I well, that's only going to get him more hatred. Off. Yeah, I want to see how they're going to pull that one off. Let's I don't see. know. But, uh, you know, uh, I see some people saying he should cut his hair. I don't know. No, we're not cutting Jungle Boy's hair. Jungle Boy has the best-looking hair in the business. You're not going to cut that man's hair. Give me a break. Uh, there, there are women out there that are jealous of Jungle Boys here. Give me a fucking break with that shit. Um, you see what it did to Wardlow, too. Hollywood Jack Perry, maybe have him uh, come out with a biker jacket or something. Just fucking go completely just absolute grade A prick on everybody. I think he played it well, honestly. Let's see it. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it. I, I want to see it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have turned him right now. Yeah. But... Yeah, uh, he definitely needed a turn at some point. I, I would just would have held off on it only because of the Christian Cage Luchasaurus thing still seem to be floating around, and that dynamic doesn't work with him yeah. as now also a heel. But let's see what they do with it, man. Let's see. I I, I, mean, I, I, want, I wonder if they felt like they hit a wall with Babyface Jungle Boy. Like what else was there for him to do? Like they put Jungle him in world. Hook. Yes, yes, that that was obviously an option. I was I was definitely for that, but as a single. But what else was there to do with him? Like, he, he wrestled MJF for the world championship, lost. They put him in a match with Sonata for the IWGP world title, he lost. You know, he could easily go after the TNT title, but we've seen that. We've been there, done that with Christian Cage. You can't really go back to that, right? Uh, what do you, maybe, maybe Orange Cassidy and the, and the international championship, you can't really do that either. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they definitely hit a wall with him as a babyface, solo-wise, anyway. Maybe this is exactly what he needed to kind of reinvigorate his character and get him to another level. 
Yeah, I'm I'm working off the assumption that they have a plan for him yeah. for this for this heel run and what they plan on doing with it. So I I kind of want to see what they have um what they have in mind for it. I just per, I know we did speak on it um not that long ago, but I just personally thought that his babyface run could go a little bit further. Yeah, before they turned him heel, but the heel turn was impactful. You know, he turned on Hook. You know, you, you can't do that shit. No, so can't do that, man. So this should be some this should be some good shit. Clearly, his first. Um, feud is with Hook, and it's gonna be for the FTW title, which again, that title needs to be addressed as far as its 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 lineage and everything else going on with it in AEW. Yeah, I like it, man. I like that the title, the TNT title, has a a, a story now revolving around it. Christians made that title look better in two weeks than they, they did all fucking year with that title on whoever they put that title around, and uh, the. Lust of Jungle Boy wanting a championship has driven him to turn on the only guy that uh, really backed him up since the whole Christian Cage ordeal, and that was Hook. You know, it is easy to have Jungle Boy go and align himself with Christian. He sees Christian taking Luchasaurus to singles championship. If he wants one, maybe he kind of rekindles his friendship with Christian. Hey, you did this with him. Maybe you could do it with me. I'm ready to listen. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The Blackpool Combat Club, they went into war against the elites. This was Eddie Kingston, Tomohiro Ishii, and the elite against John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Konosuke Takeshita, and Shota Umino in a big 10-man tag. I thought this was great. Now, I didn't really care about the match happening on the show tonight, but what they did with the match for the 20 minutes plus that were there, that they were there, I thought what they did was great. Uh, I thought Eddie Kingston and John Moxley looked great. I thought Tomohiro Ishii looked great tonight, Jesse. I think you you thought the same thing about Tomohiro Ishii. You actually told me that you thought Tomohiro Ishii should have been in the match with MJF instead of Tanahashi. Man, I would have, after seeing Ishii work tonight, I would have loved to have seen Ishii and MJF go at it. I would have loved to see Ishii just beat the shit out of MJF. Yeah. And MJF have to have to scramble and five, figure out a way to beat this fucking beast from fucking New Japan that he's been ripping on the whole company. I thought that would have been a more interesting match. But again, hindsight, Ishii had a fantastic showing in this match. Um, I loved it. Loved it. Now, one big thing here before we even get into the match, the Blackpool Combat Club does not have their typical theme music anymore. They don't have, they don't have, uh, what's that song's name? Wild, wild Thing. Wild Thing, yeah, they don't have Wild Thing anymore. Thank they, 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 they came out with some, I don't know, man, it's very, I don't even know the vibe of it, man. It's very just... Thanks. Villainous, very villainous, very. uh, It it, it almost like when you listen to it, you'll 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 really understand what I'm talking about. It it, it sounds like a bunch of fucking pricks are about to walk into a bar and beat the shit out of people. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's it it, it looks exactly. It sounds exactly how I'm I'm telling you guys. They walk into a bar and they want to play a fucking game of pool and they beat the shit out of the fucking people there playing pool, breaking pool sticks. And uh, fucking throwing pool balls at people, breaking glass bottles over there. That's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, loved it. I 
I was worried that whatever music they were coming out to was just someone else's and it was a one-off. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, I, I hope this is their new music. Please let this be their new People are saying in the chat that it's John Moxley's new Japan theme. Well, they should be coming out to that from uh, from now on weekly. Oh, every time. Every time. Wild, I like Wild Thing does not fit them anymore at all. No. I like Moxley's original yes. AEW music. Yes. That was awesome. I never got into Wild Thing. And this theme tonight was even better than his original. This was great. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what song Tony can go out there and buy for John Moxley, but uh, it's the Wild Thing's got to fucking go away. If they're going to be healed, Wild Thing cannot be their theme at all. No, no. This was this was fun. Um, I like the dynamic of Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston always brings a sense of energy that uh, a lot of people wish that they had. Uh, he is so over with any crowd that he's in front of. I love Eddie Kingston. Uh, Ishii looked great. Uh, everybody looked great here, man. This was just a fun 10-man tag. It really it really kind of took me back to the old-school Survivor Series matches, minus the eliminations uh, with the Survivor Series. And we got Castagnoli and Yuta at the end of this thing. They went up for a rocket launcher. Nick Jackson got enough of Yuta in midair to stop the rocket launcher. Ishii made the tag, hit Yuta with a massive superplex. Kingston and Ishii sandwiched Yuta with lariats. Everyone started fucking just going at each other towards the end of this thing. Uh, and Castagnoli uh, ate a spinning back fist from Eddie Kingston, who turned into a John Moxley cutter. Yuta avoided a buckshot, a buckshot lariat from Page, but turned uh, he was turned inside out by Ishii lariat. And then we got a uh, brain buster uh, connected by Ishii on Yuta, who obviously took the pin here. Uh, because Moxley's not going to get pinned. Claudio's the Ring of Honor world champion. He's not going to eat the pin. Takeshita's new here. He's not going to get pinned. And then Eddie Kingston, um, obviously on the other team, you know, he went out with Moxley. Um, this was Yuta's match to lose, bro. <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what do you want me to? What do you want me to say? Is Yuta's match to lose? Shota Umino, he's not going to get pinned from Moxley's team because he's the protege of John Moxley. So Yuta was the only one that was going to be able to take the pin here. Easily, yeah, easily. And, and that's been an issue weekly. I think we've called that out. You've called that out primarily. Yeah. Like, oh, Yuta is a fucking punching bag. Yeah, he's got he's to gotta stop taking, he's got to stop eating every pin. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to continue this, it needs to be a part of the story. But, I mean, the guy can't grow. His character can't progress if he's the one that constantly gets pinned. Yeah. He's supposed to be benefiting from being in BCC. But to me, he's just a guy that eats the pins. And that's that's not benefiting him at all. Yeah. I don't know what this match does to further anything, Jesse. Does this match further anything that we've already seen on television with the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite? Or was this, because this is how it felt to me. It felt like Tony Khan wanted everybody in this match on the show and he just fucking, you know, you just throw a big 10-man tag out there. We'll get everybody, you know, on the show. We'll get your shit in and then uh, we'll worry about furthering this feud on Wednesday going into Blood and Guts. It felt like this was basically Tony Khan putting everybody on the show because he wanted everybody on the show with real no real direction going into Forbidden Door. No, it this whole this whole card just felt like it was just non-canon. Like it was just an all-star game. It was like Survivor Series. You know, it's just nothing here seemed like it was supposed to be carried on through you know weekly television, but. Um, instead, it was more like an all-star game. I mean, it was, you didn't need continuous storyline. You didn't need to progress it. You just needed to put on a fantastic show. Yeah. That was more important than continuing storyline. 
Now, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here because the, the, the next thing naturally, and I think a lot of people kind of came up with this conclusion from what we've seen on television so far, was that this was all leading to this year's blood and guts match. It was going to be the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite. Now, Brian was going to be a part of that. It was going to be five on five. And I think everybody was under the assumption that Kota Ibushi was going to join uh, the elites and make it an even five on five. Now, uh, I, I don't know what is going to be. They still could maneuver this match happening minus Brian and minus Omega. After what happened to Omega tonight, I don't know if I'm putting him in a fucking blood and guts match because he got his fucking head caved in on the mat tonight, which uh, scared the shit out of everybody. So he may not even be fucking cleared to compete in three weeks, let alone in a fucking blood and guts match. So if Brian and Omega are out, that leaves Moxley, Yuta, Claudio, and Takeshita. That's four on the Blackpool Combat Club side. Then you got Matt, Nick, and Hangman. So clearly they're going to need a fourth. Is that going to be Eddie Kingston? Or is that going to be Kota Ibushi? I would like to think that Kenny Omega, the reason why he was not on Dynamite and he was not in Canada for these shows and he was elsewhere was because he was recruiting Kota Ibushi to come on in and help his family here against the Blackpool Combat Club. They could still make this work, Jesse, if they want, but we'll have to wait and see if Brian, Brian's not going to be a part of it. We'll have to wait and see if Omega's going to be a part of it, which I don't even think at this point he should be. Yeah, we get a... We do get to wait, um, get the fallout, see what's going on here because, I mean, these guys, these these guys, these women, they all went hard tonight. So there's gonna be some bumps, gonna be some bruises. We're gonna see, um, might we might see some changes to to a projected card for All In. We gotta see how how everybody comes out here, Ben, because, um, yeah, there was some there was some pretty stiff bumps here tonight. Yeah, yeah, some scary bumps. So we'll see what happens with that. But Blood and Guts is supposed to be happening in three weeks in uh, the TD Garden is what uh, FIFA was reporting today. Blood and Guts in Boston for AEW Dynamite. So uh, we will keep you guys updated on that as the news comes in regarding that match, which is one of the biggest spectacles that AEW does all year. Tony Storm. She's out there with Ruby Soho and Soraya, who made her return to AEW after a little bit of uh, a break, a couple of weeks off there. She was on uh, Collision last night, and she was on this show tonight, Forbidden Door, alongside Tony Storm. She went one-on-one, defended the AEW Women's Championship against Willow Nightingale. Um, I was not crazy about this match either going into tonight. Uh, this definitely, on paper at least, felt more like a... Uh, TV match than it did a pay-per-view match. Uh, I was kind of disappointed that, you know, Stardom or some of the ladies from Japan or one of the major stars from Japan didn't come on over here and get added to the show to wrestle somebody like Tony Storm. Obviously, we all love Kyrie. We don't know what her deal is with, with uh, you know, promotion, uh, the Stardom over there or wherever she's wrestling over there. I would have loved to see somebody on that level come over here instead of using someone like Willow, who we see on TV almost weekly with AEW, even though she's uh, the New Japan Women's Strong Champion. She's their champion. She, 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 she is their champion uh, by, uh, by uh, luck because that, that title was going to Mercedes, uh, but Mercedes got hurt. Not to take anything away from Willow, I thought she wrestled a very good match. Um, you you called it out, Jesse, and I definitely saw it tonight as well, and I have seen it for a little bit. Willow wrestles like a fucking wrestler. She doesn't wrestle like the rest of the women who, you know, are afraid to have their hair pulled or fucking break a nail or, you know, have a fucking eyeli- eyelash fly off somewhere. She wrestles fucking stiff to a, point, to a point where I think uh, some people in the chat 
said Tony Storm had a broken nose tonight. She had a bloody nose. A bloody nose. Some people were saying broken. We don't know if she said that in the scrum or not. I don't know. You know, fans are doctors, you know, by sitting yes. at home watching TV. Yes. You know, it was a bloody nose. We cannot see if it was broken or not. Relax, people. Um, and it's a wrestling match that they are trying to make look real. So if someone gets accidentally bloody, that tells me that they're trying. As long as no one gets hurt, that's the important thing. I mean, a bloody nose is fine. A broken limb and you're out for weeks, that's not good. Um, I am... I was already a fan of Willow and I'm slowly becoming more of a fan because she, she does have that, that, that demeanor and that aura of uh version one Bailey. Yeah. And I, I do like that, but when she gets in the ring, man, and I watched it when I watched her and Mercedes go at it and now I'm watching it here tonight. She is there to fucking fight. Yeah. She turns it on. And, yeah. Yeah. She is not there to fluff. She is there to fucking fight. You know, her moves are stiff. She's she's just as stiff as Athena out there, man. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. She is she is working. She is not out there like 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 Riho, where her, her moveset and everything like that is just so light. You know, no, man. Willow, Willow brings the pain and then she can take it too. And those are the kind of matches I like watching by any gender. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it's not just for the ladies, for, for any gender, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, Athena's another one. Yeah. Athena is the best version of Athena that we've seen. She wrestled on the pre-show, and she actually made it to the second round of the Owen uh, women's side. But, yeah, Willow, um, the, the thing I like about Willow is I think she's found a nice medium. Because when you hear her theme and she's coming out dancing and smiling, it's like, oh, shit, here we go. It's like it's right. not, not going to translate to the ring, and it's going to be more of that in the ring. But... When the bell rings, when that music stops and the bell rings, that Willow goes away. Willow in the ring, she's like, you know, she'll smile here and there, but she's not like Raquel Rodriguez. She gets in there and she's fucking laying down the law in there, which I like to see because a lot of women don't wrestle like that. A lot of women wrestle very timidly, and I hate that shit. Willow is very aggressive, yeah, very aggressive in the ring. Her chops, even her submission holds, she... You know, she when she had Tony Storm and that leg lock, and Tony went to you know little chopper. You know they did the little she did a little crank thing where she makes a ah. Makes, she looks like she's and she's just imposing her will. Yeah. On on some women out there, man, and it makes them fight back. You know, Tony, you know, Tony Storm's out there. Shit, I better fucking fight back, man. This bitch yeah. is gonna fucking kick kick my ass, man. I yeah. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Willow was starting to grow more and more on me, and I was already a fan of Willow. Yeah, this was, uh, it was not, it was not a bad match at all. The ladies uh, went in there. uh, I mean, it was a tough spot to follow, following that uh, 25-minute or so uh, 10-man tag from the Elite and Blackpool Combat Club. So, they had a very difficult match to follow, where the crowd was engaged for all 25 minutes. And then they have this come-down match, this come-down spot. But the ladies handled it very well, had a very good match. Uh, we got Sweet Chic music towards the end. Um, actually, the Outcasts, they throw Storm spray paint and the can of spray paint. Um, the ladies get then got tossed out by the referee. Nightingale ultimately missed a moonsault. Uh, snap DDT, Sweet Chic music, a DDT by Tony connected. Nightingale kicked out. Nightingale started really cu- tr- trying to come back with a big baby face comeback. Dropped Storm with a spine buster before locking in a figure four. Tony escaped. She went for Sweet Chic music again. 
but Nightingale pounced her to the floor. Nightingale then hit a series of corner lariats back in the ring, and Storm pulled the referee in front of her. Cowardly heel move by Tony. Storm then got a quick eye rake. Storm Zero followed very quickly after the eye rake. One, two, three, and Tony uh, uses some nefarious means to win and retain the AEW Women's Championship. The, the outcome was basically predictable at this point, but the ladies, they took a tough spot, went in there, did what they could, and they had a decent match. Bro, Tony Khan has been talking for about 20 minutes straight without blinking. Well, he's hopped up on excitement, bro. Bro, he's he's hopped up on... You mean to tell me... Tony usually looks in the camera, but like... He's like, oh my God, you know, Adam Cole. Bro, he just, he just spoke for about 15 to 20 minutes straight. And I think I saw him blink twice. And and, and he he was answering one question. It wasn't like he was answering. He, he got one question and he talked for a very, he covered two matches before he stopped talking. Man, this man won't sleep all night, bro. This guy's not going to find one hour of sleep tonight. After tonight's Man, show. Jeez, bro. Where's the, where's <laughs> Dynamite on Wednesday? I don't even know. Where are they? In Saskatchewan? Forget about no, it, man. This, this man ain't fucking, sleeping nowhere. Probably fucking Chicago. It seems that they plan the next 35 fucking shows to be in Chicago so Punk can get cheered. Yes, all uh, the, the all in is at Wembley, and <laughs> AEW announced all out legitimately the following weekend in Chicago. They're doing the now arena and then they're doing the United Center, man. So they're double dipping. In two different arenas the entire week, bro, for Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, and the pay-per-view. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And no, I won't be going to Chicago because I'll be in London with Jesse the week before. I mean, see, we were talking about that when when All In came up. And we were like, wow, they still going to do, you know, All Out and everything else? Like, no, probably not. And he wouldn't give us an answer because I don't think he knew. But now here we are. Yeah, we're getting two pay-per-views a week apart. And still no idea on how we're watching All In and if All In and All Out are going to be bundled because I tweeted about it tonight, Jesse, with the fucking calendar of events coming up in Chicago. And the one thing people were uh, talking about was, well, they need to come up with how we're going to watch because I'm not paying for All Out if we got to pay for All In a week apart. How can they expect fans to do that? I I actually agree with that sentiment. You're going to ask these people to pay 50 bucks for two pay-per-views a week apart. I actually agree with that. That's that's a little much. I'd love for somebody to ask Tony Khan in the media scrum, how much coffee has he drank today? I don't know, man. Was there anything in the coffee? Was there an added additive in, in the coffee that uh, we don't know of? Maybe a shot of espresso or some other uh, sugary substance? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate, man, but he is... He is definitely on something, man. I don't know. I'm just, I, mean, I got it on mute. I'm just sitting here watching, and this guy has just been going on and on and on. There's nobody even out there right now. I'm waiting for the next talent to come out. He's just talking by himself, man. I don't know. Listen, I, but, man, we, we got to give him his credit, man. He put on a good show tonight. He's excited. Yeah, but uh, going back to this pay-per-view, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with the others, man. I don't know how he expects people to pay for these pay-per-views, so I'm hoping that there's a, some kind of streaming service coming with an announcement because I think I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot to ask. Well, I mean, we got uh, two months, about, about uh, seven weeks to go before all in. Right? I mean, so it's obviously going to happen within the next seven weeks. You got to let us know. Not, not only that, 
I mean, I didn't think this was possible, but he's gonna fucking burn out Chicago, man. He's gonna he fucking is. try to sell tickets three fucking. You gotta you you gotta slow down in Chicago, man. You wanna you want a fresh crowd every time you come. You just can't live here. I I don't know I don't know why they continue to run. Now I know that WWE is kind of stepping in their fucking territory. They're stepping in their playground with uh, running Labor Day weekend, and, and we know why WWE did it. We're not fucking stupid. WWE wants to take the interest away from AEW. Hey, maybe we can run Labor Day weekend. <laughs> now, I mean WWE is doing that shit on purpose because they're fucking petty motherfuckers over there. But I don't know why, if you got All In happening in London the week before Labor Day, why do we need All Out to happen that weekend? Can't we do All In after Grand Slam? Yeah. Can't you, can't you have Grand Slam be the next event and then maybe do All Out, I don't know, at the end of September, maybe early October, and then you go to the end of November and give us full gear? How about this? Has uh, anyone I mean, thought about this? Has anyone thought about this? All Out does not need to happen. Or... Or just name all in, all out, and let that be the all out of the year. This pay-per-view does not need to happen because we're having all in in London. Bro, I mean, it's it's not even that. Yes, you're correct on that, but the pay-per-view schedule is so open. Like, they don't want pay-per-views every fucking month. Why would it be a big deal to, to push back some of these shows? I mean, they don't have pay-per-views in December, January, and then uh, even February, because Revolution happens in the beginning of March. So you're missing three months without paper. I don't know why we can't just move this shit back. Does Full Gear need to happen in November? Why can't Full Gear happen in December? Why do we need to have All Out happen in, uh, in in September, Labor Day weekend? Why can't we have it happen in October or at the end of September? I don't know why this isn't a possibility. Yeah, I don't know. I would love to know what they're thinking by running these shows this close together when it, it's not necessary. You have to build to these shows. How are you going to build all in for me and then build all out a week later? I don't know. And, and the fact of the matter is, just you know, this show, um, not this show tonight. This show tonight was sold out, 14,000 people. The show on Collision Saturday, uh, three weeks ago, you, they were looking at less than 1,000 tickets for that show, bro. When CM Punk showed up on the debut of Collision and, and, and he showed up and, you know, people saw what he did and what he said, uh, obviously, tickets flew for that show. They sold upwards towards 6,200 tickets for that show. It was a great crowd on Saturday night. It wasn't uh, 14,000, but it was still a very good crowd, very loud crowd on Saturday. Uh, the burnout is real, man. For, for, for a market that they do, you know, a collision in the same venue that they're doing the pay-per-view in, there's burnout. People are going to choose one or the other. They're not going to choose both. You know, times are tough now. Things aren't really cheap anymore. WWE does this. They run the same fucking venue four shows in a row. They'll do SmackDown. They'll do NXT. They'll do WrestleMania. They'll do fucking uh, Raw. All in the, you know, obviously not WrestleMania. They'll be in the stadium, but like uh, an arena. They'll do all those other shows, the TV tapings. WWE could get away with that shit because, I mean, they're WWE. But AEW can't run fucking, you know, the same venue four nights in a fucking row expect and expect live Fucking ten thousand seat crowds every night. They can't do that. It's burnout. No, they're gonna. I think they're gonna hit a Chicago wall. Yeah, this summer. I think they're gonna definitely hit some burnout there. They, you, you just left here. You yeah. just left Chicago for what? Three shows, something like that. Two shows. Yeah. And now they're gonna come right back in another month or two. Yeah, they were in the United what? Center. They did Winchrust, and now legitimately. Uh, in uh, eight weeks or so, they'll be back in the now and then in the United Center again. For That's four shows? Not twice. one show. Four twice. shows. They're running Collision out of the United Center and they're running the paper. Bro. Okay, I mean, 
What do I know? I don't own I don't a wrestling know. company. I don't know. But we'll see. This will be interesting. I don't know what I don't know what the plan is here. I, I think between all in and all out, one did not need to happen. They just could have had London be all out. We just didn't do all out in Chicago this year. We did it in London. Done. Yeah. yeah. Done. Anyway, uh, again, uh, it's a wait-and-see situation. We'll see what happens with how you guys are going to digest both of those shows a week apart and how much it's going to cost. There's going to be a streaming deal for AEW. I mean, all that is still yet to come. Tony Khan is not going to divulge any information on that because he's not uh, he's not uh, contractually able to. So uh, we'll keep you posted as soon as we hear anything on, uh, on that stuff happening. Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega, this was... The best match of the night for the IWGP United States Championship. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, breathtaking. It's the reason why we love this sport. This was absolutely the best thing on the entire show. Uh, Osprey, he came out and there was a video package showing unrest and violence in the streets of Canada. Will Ospreay is watching a wall of TVs of his match with Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom and then makes his entrance with Don Callis. And two huge-looking guys dressed in fucking riot gear. I thought that was AOP at first. I don't know who the fuck they were, but they looked like they uh, they meant to fuck people up tonight. And they, and, they, and they served no purpose. No. They didn't get involved or anything. They were just there to at protect all. Don Callis, yes. At all. I mean, they literally did not have to be there. I, I, when, they, when I first laid eyes, I legit thought that they brought out AOP. I was like, oh, yeah. holy shit. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been pretty cool if that was the case, but that was not AOP tonight. Um, listen, I'm not gonna. There's no fucking way that we're gonna do this match justice. I'm not gonna go over everything that happened here, but some of the highlights of this match. Uh, it actually, Jesse started off with a collar and elbow tie up and a couple of arm drags and headlocks. Yeah, then that within five minutes that shit went out the window. Wait, what was weird? They they they, they did not care. I mean. At one point, it started off like a traditional wrestling match, and then all of a sudden, Kenny Omega is getting his fucking face planted into the commentary desk, and they rip the parishion off, that little fucking cover of the announce desk. Osprey leaned it against the ring apron and slammed Kenny Omega through it, breaking it in half. So that was what really got everything started here. And... Osprey wanted revenge for Omega driving his head through the table at Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, that's exactly what he did to Omega here tonight by violently slamming him, slamming him into the announce desk. So Osprey brings him back in the ring. And at one point, Omega was bleeding because of this. Osprey looks into the hard cam. He flexes his muscle and Omega's blood is on his muscle. He takes his fucking arm, lifts it to his mouth. He licks Omega's blood off of his arm. He looks into the hard camera and he mouths yum as he licks Omega's blood off of his arm as the crowd in Toronto is chanting, you sick fuck, you sick fuck. I loved it. I mean, it's he's a fucking psychopath, but I loved everything about that. I thought that was fucking great. Omega tried to fight back. He collapsed due to some elbows from Osprey. Osprey connected with a violent V-trigger. He then goes to the outside, and the Canadian fans were fucking pissing him off. There were a couple of kids in the front row giving him shit, giving him uh, the, the fucking bullet club hand gesture. And he goes over to some other schmuck in the corner by the timekeeper's area, Jesse. He grabs the Canadian flag. He starts fucking wiping his ass 
with the Canadian flag between his legs. It reminded me of something Shawn Michaels would do when he visited Canada when he was feuding with Bret Hart. And then he starts wiping his nose with the Canadian flag. Oh, that was that was absolutely the uh, 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 an homage to yes. Shawn Michaels in Montreal, man. Absolutely. Yeah. This was great. So Omega so Omega saw this. He got angry. Um, he started to come back, and Osprey put him down again. Omega came back with a DDT. Uh, there was a spot on the steel steps. Osprey went headfirst into the steel steps. And Osprey started to bleed himself. Omega DDT'd him on top of the steel steps. And the steel steps were not uh, the way that they usually are set up. He set that shit up fucking long way uh, on its side. And he DDT'd Osprey onto the steel steps. Uh, back inside, Omega tried a triangle choke. Osprey powered up into a power bomb. Both men going back at it. They're trading all these big moves. Poison Rana, Spike Pile Driver. Got Omega a two-count. Omega connected with a neck breaker and a V-trigger. And as they went up to the ropes, Omega wanted an avalanche one-winged angel at one point. But Osprey escaped. And this was around the 30-minute mark. He trapped Omega's head in the corner. It kicked him right in the face. And then he immediately hit a, hit a sky twister. Uh, back inside, Omega hit a springboard forearm to the back. Osprey wanted a hidden blade. Omega ducked. He tried for a lariat. Osprey floated over into a Liger bomb. Top rope Oz cutter for a two count. Omega countered Stormbreaker into uh, what looked to be a dead eye. Don Callis was kicked out of the match earlier in the match, Jesse. This is the one part I did not understand. He comes out again from the back after being ejected, and the referee did not do anything at all. Yeah, I don't like that. He didn't do anything. Callis was kicked out legitimately by the referee, Paul Turner, and then he comes out, and Paul Turner doesn't even do anything to acknowledge that Don Callis is out there again. Um, yeah, I did not like that at all. That just completely undermines the entire throwout. Yeah. So you get thrown out, just come back. Yeah. No, you come back, something catastrophic should have happened. No, that, no. So Don Callis is back out there. Paul Turner did not do anything after he was ejected earlier in the match. Omega hit knees. Callis clutched Osprey as there was a tug of war between Callis and Omega. The referee stepped in. He finally stepped in. I don't know why he didn't fucking tell him to go to the back immediately, but he finally got in between all of this chaos. But while Paul Turner had his back turned, Callis handed Osprey a screwdriver and as... Omega had Osprey up in the one-winged angel. He takes the screwdriver and nails the screwdriver right between Omega's eyes. And that was basically it. Both men were uh, towards the end of this thing. And Osprey hit a ripcord, uh, hidden blade, a tiger driver 91, followed by that. That was where Omega's head hit the fucking mat. Legitimately, everybody was concerned about that. And then another hidden blade uh, and a stormbreaker for the win. Um, the best spot of the entire pay-per-view, Jesse, was something I glanced over here because I want to talk about it specifically. Um, even before the screwdriver and, and all that, uh, the one-winged angel. Osprey hit Omega with his own move, and Omega kicked out at a fucking one count. He that, started it. Fucking Hulk it, it up. It, it, he, he fucking Hulkamaniaed this shit, bro. I mean, oh, if there so was good. one person that was going to kick out of the one-winged angel, it was going to be Kenny Omega, and they picked this spot to do it, and he kicked out at a fucking one. A one count. So good. So good. 
Oh, I marked out for that one. That was so good. I mean, and at that point, he was already in with the screwdriver. Osprey then hit him with the screwdriver and did a hidden blade, a stormbreaker. Omega got a foot on the rope. He was knocked out. And then he hits a V-trigger and a one-winged angel, and this man powered out at a one count. The crowd erupted, bro. I mean, it looked fucking ridiculous because any normal man would be fucking dead. But he kicks out of the one. My God, I marked the fuck out. That was, I did not see that shit coming. No. Did not see that shit coming at all. I thought the match was over, much less at a one count. Then yeah. a Hulk up? Of, oh, man. So good. So good. I mean, it was ridiculous, but it was so good at the same time. Osprey wins the IWGP United States Championship in what was maybe the match of the fucking decade, to be honest with you. I mean, this went nearly 40 fucking minutes. These men were bleeding. These men were fucking beating the shit out of each other. Uh, if this was the last match for either guy here tonight, they should fucking hang their heads high, man. This was this was absolutely a thing of absolute beauty. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it looks like that 30-minute question that TK was answering yeah. was from your girl. Denise? Yeah. What did she ask? I don't know. I, it's on mute. I can't hear it, but... From what the chat is saying, it looks like that question was from her. So, at the, if that's the case, then I'm sure it's. I'm sure it was a ridiculous, nonsensical, fucking amateur-like question. Probably, and someone, and right away, someone after that, someone asked him about punk, and from what the chat's saying, TK is dancing around the punk questions. Oh, as he should. I mean, because Punk is going to be a part of something uh, big here. Why would Tony Khan divulge anything about Punk? Well, because everyone in the media scrum showed up to see if Punk was going to show up. That's why. They had had 20,000 strong in the media scrum. Did did these people legitimately sitting there think CM Punk was going to sit in on a a scrum after what happened that all out? They are. They are completely (laughs) fucking oblivious then, man. Holy shit. Oh, I would yeah. I would have been like, yeah, Punk's not going to be here. Why are you going to get your hopes up thinking Punk is going to be on, on the first media scrum after his fucking explosion at All Out? Because that's what, isn't that what they do? They want ratings. They want, you know, they, they want money. They want, Punk is the draw. Punk is the money. Then put him on the scrum. No, we can't do that. We can't. Tr- Ridiculous. Put him on the scrum. You, <sighs> you think you get Punk by the leash? You think you get Punk under control? Good. Put him on the scrum. Moving on here, man. We're going to hopefully wrap this up in a little bit. Sting, Darby Allen, and Tetsuya Naito defeated Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki. Um, I, I don't know, man. I was I was looking forward to this match. Yeah, right over there. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Go ahead. All right. I wasn't sure these, if you were. It gets hot in this fucking, these muffs, man. I, I know, I know. The leather on these Audio-Technica headphones, man, they're not, uh, they're not the best. <sighs> God. Um, I was looking forward to this match, man, big time. With the announcement of uh, Sting and Jericho and Tetsuya Naito being in this thing, uh, I was expecting this to be better than it was, man. This this kind of, I don't want to say deflated me, but I, it felt rushed. It felt, it, it, it almost felt like it, it shouldn't have even been on the card if they wanted to fucking just rush through this, man. I felt like they made this such a big deal, and the way that this ended... It, it, it just left you like, what the fuck? That's the it best felt, that they like did. A, it felt like a TV. It felt like yeah. a TV match. Yeah, this it, is this is not this is not Chris Jericho quality. It's not Chris Jericho worthy, especially 
him being in the ring for the first time with Sting and then him rekindling his feud with Naito. Yeah. You know? And he's going to get in the ring with Sting again on Wednesday. And he's going to get in the ring with Sting again, yeah. Um, but it, it did not live up to the billing, for sure. So... Yeah. yeah, if there was a match to cut to make this show a little bit shorter, this was definitely one. Uh, Suzuki was absolutely fucking murdering Darby yeah. Allen in this thing. I mean, with some fucking chops that uh, would have uh, slapped the fucking face paint off of Darby Allen. Uh, Suzuki and Sting faced off. I thought that was a cool fucking sight. Yeah. Uh, Jericho and Sting did face off. Suzuki uh, reluctantly tagged in Jericho. Jericho and Sting faced off, and then Suzuki attacked uh, Sting from behind. It was all a setup. Sting and Jericho slugged it out a little bit before Jericho mocked uh, Sting doing the howl. He ended up doing uh, the howl and then ended up in a scorpion deathlock as a result. Guevara came flying in with a cutter off the top rope, and Sting uh, looked like he landed very awkwardly there. That was uh, uh, not the only spot with Sammy and Sting. Uh, the uh, Les Sex Gods, or what they're calling the Suzuki Gods, they did a trio pose in a very uh, Les Sex Gods type way. Man, I get a kick out of that. That looked great. Um, Sting fought back, tagged in Darby, ran wild with Code Red on Guevara. Jericho distracted long enough for Guevara to the top rope Spanish fly on, uh, um, as both Allen and Guevara cl- uh, banked heads into a double down. Naito and Jericho were in there. They were going at it, renewing their rivalry. Uh, Guevara and Suzuki locked in sleepers of their own on Allen and Sting. Everybody kind of spilled to the outside. Uh, there was a table set up, Jesse, on the outside, and Sting was laying out on the table. Jericho demanded Guevara to put Sting through the table, and he reluctantly obliged, and he hit a beautiful 630 senton on Sting through the table. Now, I don't know if Sting was supposed to get up through the table and Darby was supposed to crash through the table, but Sting did not get up, and Dar- uh, and uh, Sammy, rather, uh, Sammy uh, did the 630 through Sting and the table and took Sting out. So after that was over, Naito and Jericho are in the ring. He avoided a lion salt. After the 630, bro, you would think Sting would be dead going through the table. He gets up, he gets into the ring, and he locked in a scorpion deathlock on Suzuki. <laughs> yeah. And he trapped, uh, <laughs> and, uh, trapped Sting in a rear naked choke, did Suzuki. So, Classic I mean, he goes, through the, he goes through the table. He no-sells this 630 only to rise from the dead and, and get back into the ring as if it never fucking happened. And we never seen Sammy Guevara again in the rest of the match. <laughs> yeah. Classic Sting no-sell. Uh, I mean, now, I don't know if that was done by design. I don't know if Sammy <laughs> was supposed to miss. I don't know. Well, commentary put it over. So, um, it's a good point. They said They said Sting tried to get up. But then when he got in the ring, then they were like, look, he's already back up. This is incredible. So they they so they built it as a no sell and they also did it as a uh oh, maybe he was supposed to get up. Who knows? Either way, I like the no sell spot. Yeah, I mean if, I mean I love when Sting no sell shit because it's just, you know, it's, yeah. He, he's the Sting. only one he, it's Sting, yeah. I mean, nobody else really does it like that. Um, but um Suzuki and Naito went at it until Sting and Naito worked together to lead Naito uh to a roll up on Suzuki for the win. Uh, Jericho attacked Naito after the match with his bat until Sting made the save, and it was a very, very brief uh, post-match attack. They closed this match down and went right back to the segment uh, following, which was Brian and Okada, and and they went right into the main event, man. This didn't really get uh, enough time allotted. I felt like they rushed through it. Like you said, it felt like a TV main event more than uh, a Forbidden Door match. 
even though it fit the forbidden door with Jericho and Sting being in the ring for the first time, Naito and Jericho rekindling their rivalry, Suzuki and Sting in the ring. Uh, this this was a letdown, man. I was looking forward to this, and this this did not live up to the billing at all. No, no, it didn't. Um, but it was probably you know a a really good reason why. And I don't know how. Make look, we're both fucking exhausted. We're both tired. But um, I like giving credit what credit is due here. So the cake in the chat um, had the best point of this. Um, that match just followed. Kenny Omega and Will yeah. Ospreay. Yeah. Yeah, they got they got fucked. Yeah. <laughs> that that was a come down match by design. Yeah. Nothing. They just put that match there to get us ready for the main event. Yeah. So that that match was supposed to fail. I think the cake is absolutely right. That's why that match was terrible. It just it for what it was, isolated for what it was, it just wasn't that great and it followed Kenny and Ospreay. So, yeah, that was a failure waiting to happen. Yeah. Brian, Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada. This was the main event of Forbidden Door. This was the dream match that everybody was excited to really sit down and admire tonight. Excalibur did say tonight, when you say dream match, you're setting unrealistic expectations. Now, I can't really disagree with him. But this was a dream match, and a lot of people describe this as a dream match. Um, did they deliver tonight? Sure, they did. They delivered a solid main event. Was this the match that should have closed the show? Looking back at it, like Jesse said, in hindsight, no, absolutely not. Osprey and Omega should have been the main event of the show, and Brian and Okada should have been in the uh, Omega and Osprey match earlier in the evening. Yeah. Was this a bad match? You'll probably get some people saying that this was a bad match or it was boring or, or something along those lines. Uh, fuck those people. Uh, there's nothing that Brian Danielson does that's boring. Okada is not boring. They wrestled uh, a match basically as advertised. I'm the best wrestler in the world. No, I'm the best wrestler in the world. And they showed you exactly why they're both the two of the best wrestlers in the world. And they wrestled like it. Yeah. Did it have heat? No. There was no heat. There was really, there was really no, no story, uh, not compared to the Osprey and Omega match. But at the end of it all, they delivered. And I do feel like we're going to get something uh, again with these two guys when Brian is cleared to go. He did injure himself in this match, as we alluded to earlier from the post-show scrum that's going on right now. He uh, has a forearm injury. He's going to be out for eight weeks. So we don't really know what's uh, to come next. But this was uh, a good match. Did it fall yeah. flat of expectations? Absolutely. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. And and that's the only thing. And I mean, look, we built it up as we should. This is a dream match, dude. This 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 is the kind of match you can go ahead and build up. Um, because these two can deliver. All right. And um Meltzer is saying that Brian hurt his um forearm 10 minutes into the match. So with that being said, that absolutely could have had um, a serious effect on that match, the yes. outcome, the way the way it, it may have come up short. Who knows? You know, ten minutes into a match and you break your forearm, things are not going to go the way you expected. Yeah. So that's that's a very strong possibility as to why it fell flat. But it was only be, we expected the world, and as we should from you know Brian Danielson and you know fucking Kazuchika Okada. Um. 
but it just was not as good as Osprey and Omega, which is okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's it okay. It's, it, yes, it's it's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah. it, it's not uh, it's not the end of the world. Um, yeah. Brian Danielson uh, actually came out to your uh, Europe's final countdown, and there was a rumor going around before the Forbidden Door pay per view that primary wave music buys rights to final countdown, potentially opening the door for AEW and Brian Danielson to use this song as his entrance theme going forward. So primary wave music, the story goes, reached a deal to purchase a portion of the singer-songwriter Joey Tempest's music catalog. This catalog included Final Countdown from Europe, the song that Brian Danielson used during his time in Ring of Honor before he signed with WWE. Everybody, including myself, said, TK, you know what to do. Open up the checkbook. And that's exactly what he did. So TK gets GOAT status tonight because he made that shit happen quick as fuck, bro. And when that song hit, I'm like, my ears perk, because not only is it a great song, it's a great fucking rock song, but man, when the crowd got involved in singing that song, man, this was the perfect match to unleash that song tonight against Okada, man. That made my fucking heart happy tonight. Yeah, yeah, good times, man. Yeah. So the match itself, I'm not going to go over everything here. This was, uh, you know, a very slow, methodical match for a good portion of it. If you watch Okada wrestle and you know Okada's style, you know what Okada brings to the table. If you watch Brian, you know what Brian brings to the table and you know how good he is. You want to have him Matt wrestle, he's going to go out there and Matt wrestle. You want him to fight, he's going to fight. You want him to do the fucking high risk shit, he's going to do the high risk. But at the end of this, we got Okada, Danielson. They were on the outside, and they go back into the ring. Okada hit a top rope elbow. He did the Rainmaker pose. He was setting up for the Rainmaker, which is his devastating lariat. Danielson went dead. Referee Bryce Remsburg called the doctor into the ring. He was convulsing in the middle of the ring. This was all playing possum. Brian Danielson playing possum, because after he got up, he hit a Busaiko knee. And then uh, both of these guys doubled down. So Danielson flipped out of a German suplex. He had another Busaiko knee, and then he opted to kick Okada's head in, trying to apply a, a label lock with one arm. He couldn't get it. So a head kick would have uh, the, uh, the opening here for Brian uh, to uh, continue his onslaught. He ran into an Okada dropkick, landslide, a rainmaker. Brian kicks out of the rainmaker. Both men ducked a finisher attempt. Danielson got the label lock applied. And he only did it with one arm. So he had to transition into uh, some weird submission. Kevin Kelly said, Danielson's right arm is pretty much a passenger, but a 60% LaBelle lock is better than nothing, said Kevin Kelly. That was fucking awesome uh, by Kevin Kelly there. Danielson used his legs to wrap up Okada in such a, a crazy submission. I don't even know what to call it. And Okada had no choice but to tap. And the crowd, Jesse, was stunned that yeah. Okada tapped out. Now, a lot of people were like, oh, the reason why the match sucked and it felt deflated was because Okada tapped out and blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't know. You guys may watch the show a little bit differently than Jesse or me watch the show, but I want to throw this out at you, which I know a lot of people listening to us might not really be taking into consideration. Why did Okada tap? Because Okada is in the G1. Okada tapped out because he knew he had no way to escape. And Okada realized that if he didn't tap, then he would be damaging himself long-term to battle in the fucking G1 Climax because that's the only way he's going to be able to get the IWGP world title back 
by winning the G1 Climax. So Jesse, he tapped out to preserve himself for the G1. Otherwise, he wouldn't be 100% going into the tournament. And that's all you need to know there, why he tapped out. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah commentary put that put yeah. that story over they, yeah. they, right away. And that, and that makes sense. Um, I think the crowd was stunned because the match, it felt like they had more to go. Yeah. It felt like it was cut short. I'm telling you, I want... I want to go on record and, and, and say I think I think someone called an audible and ended it a little early. Yeah, it might have. Yeah, Brian's injury because it just felt like they they like it's, the match was not as good as Omega and Ospreys, and it could have gotten there. They just needed more time. Yeah, they just needed more time to tell to, to tell more of that story, but they cut it short. Brian's walking around in a damn cast. So that being said, that's enough for me. You know that that's. The fact that he kept going with a damn fractured forearm is amazing. So yeah, I, I don't I don't know what spot Brian hurt himself on. I'd have to go back and watch the, the match el- again. The elbow drop from the top. Okay, yeah, that'll Okada, that, Okada's elbow. That that that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, I I, I don't want to take anything away from the match because they're both tremendous professional wrestlers, two of the best ever. But the match did did get hindered, obviously, with the Brian injury. And and I, and I feel like the lack of true story coming into this thing really took away from it, especially if you're comparing it to Omega and Osprey. And, and I feel like Jesse, you know, I, I don't know. You may be thinking about it a little bit differently, and the, and the the chat may be looking at it a little bit differently. I I felt like the match was a little too slow for my liking. I felt like it could have been picked up a little bit uh, as far as. Um, you know, maybe taking it from a, a third gear to a sixth gear, you know, or, or a third gear to a fifth well, gear, upping the intensity a little bit, upping, upping the speed and upping the pace a little bit. I felt like it stayed at one pace and it really never, it really never left that comfortable pace, if you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I, no, I do. and But that tells me that they had a longer story to tell. Yeah. And when you have a, when you have more of a, you have a longer match to do, a longer story to tell, you can't start off in you know fourth fifth gear you got to start off in first you got to build to the crescendo um they did exactly what osprey and kenny did you know and they had more to tell but i think the arm was just too much for brian to keep going with and i think they cut it off before they entered their, their i don't even think they got their plan go home sequence i don't know man it just looked like they may have cut it short if i'm gonna guess at this with no official report yet that i've seen i think that they cut the match short Due to injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, two things are for certain here. No, number one, uh, I, I'm going to, and I, and I mean this, and I want you guys to take uh, take this as um, a lesson. You know, yes, we hype up things a little bit before we actually see them play out, and everybody, including me, thought this was going to be the fucking dream match of the century. You know, it, it, it's best most times to go into these situations without hyping yourself up because that's the only way you're going to get up. You're going to end up disappointed, you know, and and you could take that into any aspect of life. You could take that into, uh, you know, a a job interview that you're applying for or or going out on on a date with somebody you just met, you know, thinking that it's going to be the greatest fucking time ever, you know, go into it, not expecting anything. and, And then, you know, you come out on the other side, you won't be disappointed. You know, for so many times, Jesse, us wrestling fans get so fucking excited about these things happening, and then we get something like this, and then we end up disappointed, and it's like, shit, you know, I, I thought this was going to be this, but it ended up being not as good as I expected it to be. No, I, I, I agree with that. I can see that in theory. I, I think sometimes, though, 
it's hard to do that. Like yeah. with this, like with this situation here, we've never gotten yeah. matches like this. We've never gotten a car like this, you know? So last week I, I told you, I, I took my kids to great America. We went to six flags. Um, my kids have never been there before. My kids are seven, seven and 13. Yeah. This is the first time going. So we're in the car. They're talking about the different roller coasters they want to get on because we looked at some YouTube videos beforehand. And they're just pumped and excited. How can I now tell them, okay, now, don't get too excited. You know, so you can't get disappointed. So just keep your expectations low. To me, this was like, us going to Great America for the, I'm getting Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada, and I'm not supposed to get super excited about it. Yeah, the excitement in the build up and the lead in is a part of all of the package of the fun of it, you know. So it's I I see what you're saying, but for me, that anticipation and that build up is a part of it, and I wouldn't want to lose that aspect of it because it, it normally any case in point like this, it'd be safe to put all your eggs in Brian Danielson and Okada giving us a five-star banger. Yeah. That, that's a safe, you know, assessment. The same way we, we could have done that with Omega and Osprey. And that's exactly what we got. Um, I think, unfortunately, I think it just got brought down by this injury. I could be wrong, but I do believe that it started off slow and didn't get as high as we thought and then ended because of the injury. Yeah. No, I agree. You do make a good point there. Um, this is not over between Brian and Okada. I expect something uh, to happen in the future when Brian is healthy and gets back to 100%. Um, I do think that uh, Okada is not going to sit well with tapping out. I do think that there's more to this story, and maybe we get this next year at Forbidden Door, or maybe we get this at Wrestle Kingdom in January. We, we don't know, depending on if Okada wins the G1, which right now he's the odds-on favorite to do so. So uh, we'll see what happens. In closing... Uh, before we get to the Super Chats, uh, I would make one recommendation. I would like to make one recommendation for Tony Khan. I know, you know, he gets uh, over overzealous with booking these matches. We got 14 fucking matches, including the pre-show. Adam Cole and Tom Lawler had to be uh, axed from the show because of Adam Cole not feeling well and he was not medically cleared. Uh, you know, I love Adam Cole to death, but uh, I wasn't missing him on this show because of uh, the, the fucking 13 other matches that we got, 14 other matches that we got. So it really wasn't missed. Um, it's just another match we really didn't care about. Anymore. No, we didn't care about it. We didn't need it. Uh, I mean, it would have been great to have Adam Cole on the show, but yeah, yeah. It, it is what it is. I'd rather have him 100% for MJF, honestly. Um, but I know Tony Khan gets overzealous with these things, Jesse. You know, I would love to see him tone these shows down. I would love to see him start the build for these shows a little bit earlier instead of doing it um, three weeks before the show actually happens. I'd like to see him uh, add... Uh, Six weeks of build or seven weeks of build. It's tough to do because at the same time, he's got to build towards double or nothing around the same time frame. I get it. And then yeah. we got uh, double or nothing in May at the end of May. And then we get, you know, uh, Forbidden Door happening in June. I'd like to see a little bit more build. I'd like to see a little bit more story coming into these things. I'd like to see him make these shows, you know, special attraction matches, not fucking 15 matches for the night. I'd like to, I'd like to have Tony Khan make these shows you know, something that both promotions rosters work hard to be a part of every year, you know? Yeah. I, I don't want to see, because by at that point, Jesse, you're just going to run through these fucking dream matches and that, and then by the time we get to the 50 year of Forbidden Door, the six year of Forbidden Door, what's going to be left for them to do? Yeah. Yeah, you know, again, that could be something they could do, 
in the future Forbidden Doors. I mean, if you do all this shit in the first one and two, then what are you going to do to top that? You know, um, it's a good point. Next year, I'm going to send some AEW talent to do some invasions yeah. over in New Japan. Yeah. It's going to show up and I'm going to highlight and put that stuff on AEW television. Like, oh, shit. You know, a few days ago, Blackpool Combat Club showed up in New Japan and destroyed, you know, you know, all these fucking guys. No, what the hell? These guys are pissed off now. Now it's going to be a match, a blood and gut match. At Forbidden Do- you know, we can go forward from it. I think um, I think this year's Forbidden Door was better than last year's. Yes. And I think next year's is going to be better than this year's. Okada and Danielson, too, at All In. Maybe. I don't know. It's a possibility. Maybe. Maybe. They, well, um, I don't know. I don't is, is that eight weeks away? It's just about. I mean, he would be he would be uh, just about there. I mean, it will probably hit the seven week mark, but we'll see. Okay, you know, it'll be cutting it close. But yeah, uh, I do think that this year's uh, version was uh, much better than last year's version. Not to say that last year's version was bad. I just thought the match quality on this show was a lot better than it was last year. Yeah. Anyway, guys, uh, I uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us on this early Monday morning. Talking Forbidden Door. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a second. I want to go over the usual. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We are 50 likes away from 1,000 likes. Last call for the Super Chats. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Plenty of it. Live streams, extras, news updates. You name it, man. We do it all here. And go follow Jesse as well, man. At Chi-Town Smart on Twitter and on YouTube as he does cover Impact Wrestling on Thursdays and has other content coming in the weeks to come on his channel as well. Let's get into these super chats, man, because I have uh, an early gym day tomorrow and I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, William with a $5 super chat. Should have booked David Finley versus Jay White for tonight. They actually have a storyline. Shocked TK and Ghetto missed that. Maybe at all in thoughts. Again, like Jesse and I just discussed, William, we need some background on that. Maybe Jay White goes over there or David Finley comes over here and we, we need some story, man. I'd like to see that happen with some story built around it. That's, that scrum just ended. Yeah. It's just 2 o'clock. TK talked this whole damn time. That's crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Dude. The Undertaker with 21 months. Oh, my goodness. 21 and oh, we've made it to the magic number, my friend. Couldn't make it to the pay-per-view tonight, but I'm sure it was awesome. Keep on rocking, brother. OTS for life. The Undertaker. 21 months in the venue, brother. What the fuck are you drinking? Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Omega and Osprey was truly magnificent. Indeed, Michelle. Bradley Robinette with a $1.99. What a show. Pay-per-view of the year. It's close, man. It's close. Uh, Pro wrestling-wise, yes. Um... I would say the only other thing that maybe gives it a run for its money is night one of WrestleMania. That's it. Lord J. Coyle with a $5 Super Chat. When pro wrestling is as good as it was tonight, I forget about all my problems, and I'm just happy. Uh, You're not the only one that feels that way, uh, Jay. For sure. For sure. 
Brandon James Shea with seven months. It was a good show. Ten out of ten, he says. Man, that's more than a good show. Fantastic show. It was a fantastic. It, it was a fantastic show, but I would not rate it ten out of ten, uh, Brandon. Michelle with a five. Omega Osprey and Okada Bryan was worth fifty alone. I agree. Yes. Overall, the pay per view was fantastic. Maybe we get a rematch at All In between Bryan and Okada. Uh, listen, we may. It all depends on when Bryan can get back from this forearm injury. If we do, I bet you it won't close this time. Yeah. Max Chains with 11 months. Thank you, Tony Khan and New Japan for another banger collaboration. Best pay-per-view this year. Uh, Max, it may very well be. Now we have to see what TK does to one-up himself next year for Forbidden Door. Phil with a 9.99 and a 4.99. What a night. Omega Osprey were amazing. Okada and Danielson were incredible. This show was totally worth every single cent we paid. This is why I love pro wrestling. And that Jungle Boy heel turn instantly reminded me of KO turning on Sammy at Revolution in the way it was shot. This is much needed for Jungle Boy, OTS for life. Yeah, we'll see, man. I'm excited to see where Jungle Boy goes as a heel because I'm a fan of what he does. And I honestly think he was cutting kind of heelish promos anyway. So we'll see how he translates into uh, turning the entire character heel. Should be interesting. Um, thank you, Phil. Justin with a 499. What a night. Also, with today being June 26th, today is my 33rd birthday. Keep up the good work, guys. OTS for life. Justin, happy fucking birthday, brother. Let me see some birthday cake emojis in the chat for Justin. Man of a thousand and five holds, 21 months. Phenomenal pay-per-view. Omega Osprey put on an amazing match and told a great story. Plus, Brian winning made me smile. Get me a thunder and lightning. Wild Stallions with four months. Nine out of ten show. Gave nine because too many matches. Yeah, that's going to be the criticism uh, from most Stallions. It's always my criticism. Dom. Tuesday, this Tuesday, is me and my wife's um, wedding anniversary. Fifteen years. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations, bro. Fifteen years, man. People People have problems staying together for five fucking months, man. Never mind 15 years. Yeah, no, right? Wow. Uh, Stallions, thank you, brother. Dom Wapa, 199. Banger after banger after banger. What a show. They weren't all bangers tonight, Dom Wapo, but this was a banger show. If you want to add everything together, for sure. A flock of morons becomes a new member. Thank you for becoming uh, a member to the OTS venue, flock. There are no morons here, I promise you. Only the trolls that get banned by Hooligrim in the chat. I'm already dead. Thank you for the 100 bomb, brother. Appreciate you and your generosity. Tonight's Trek G with a $5 super giant. Only disappointment was no Japanese female wrestlers on the show. No disrespect to Willow, but we see her every week. Yeah, I could see your uh, complaint there, bro. But Willow, you know, she's coming along, man. You got to respect the grind. Prodigy with 22 months. Forbidden Door is awesome. Keep up the hard work, JD and Jesse. Best in the IWC. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. The Human Resources Director with a $5 super chat. Hey, JD and Jesse, just call me Scripps. But that Brian Okada match got five stars from me before the opening bell. OTS and Taco Crew for life. They're a little generous there, brother. I would not rate it a five-star match. No, that's not getting five stars. No, it's not five tacos. 
Hey, we're close to a thousand thumbs up, man. What the hell are we doing? Uh, we need 23 likes for a thousand likes, guys. Can we hit that thumbs up to get a thousand on the stream? What the fuck are we doing here? Let's go. Uh, Nate, talent of TV, 11 months. I was at Forbidden Door, one of the best AEW pay-per-views, Omega Osprey match tonight. Oh, and the Kenta is better chance in the punk match killed me. I didn't hear those chants. Was that was that chanted tonight? Kenta is better? It. I didn't hear it. I did not hear that. Yeah, there was a lot going on there, man. That crowd was fucking lively for punk. Yeah, they had a lot to say. Hooligrim! Fight out, Superjack. Can we address the elephant in the room, please? Moxley didn't bleed, and no one's talking about it. It bleeds yeah. on TV. He, he, yeah. he doesn't bleed on pay-per-view, just on TV. Yeah. There's no controversy in bleeding on pay-per-view. No, no, yeah. He, network he, TV. He, yeah, he wants to disrupt the uh, network executives, brother. There you go. New Bendy comic dubs with 10 months. I saw so many people leave during the women's match. I wish Mercedes never got injured. And shout out to Cannon for being a hot crowd for over five hours. Uh, I do think Mercedes is going to have a say in um, what happens at All In. I do. If she gets back. Looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that rematch with her and Willow. Yeah. Did you go yeah. back and watch their first match? I did. I did. It, it was, was good. Hard hitting. It was, it was so good, good man. Justin Smith with the 20 months. I really hope this is the last pity match. TK throws Tanahashi. Take your air guitar to retirement home, buddy. Come when, on, man. When I say it, I'm being negative. Yeah, well. MJF will probably agree with you, Justin. My guy James with 23 months. If anyone wants to play AEW Fight Forever, hit me up. I'll be streaming that on Thursday, man. It comes out on Thursday. We'll be doing Road to Elite. On stream all day, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, man. I think I'm going to stream it, too. I'm on kick now. There you go. Um, Let me find some songs here. There you go. Ugg uh, Shingo. $4.99. BCC coming out to Moxie's New Japan theme was great. Mox is a different beast in Japan. He's better over there. Mox putting Eddie over at All In is the play. I don't know, man. We'll see. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Who knows what they got planned for all in? I know, I know Tony Khan's got something planned for all in. That man's got notebooks of fucking ideas, man. He's got something going on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Og Shingle, thank you for the 499, brother. Uh, Jamel Turney with 499. What is five matches you'd like to see with WWE and AEW talents? Uh, I mean, that's something that uh, could be a whole separate video, bro. We could book our own WWE, AEW Forbidden Door. Roman, Kenny Omega, Roman, MJF, Seth Rollins, Will Ospreay. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jamie Hayter versus Asuka. Just to name a few. This Kevin stuff's o- never going to happen, though. I know. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Young Bucks. The Usos versus the Young Bucks. You know, I heard so... The New Day versus the Young Bucks. I mean, the list goes on and on. I, I, I was listening to you and Drew, and um, you guys were talking about um, the Bucks going to WWE. And I think and I think Drew was like, oh, because like there was, you know, there's so much for them to do in WWE. And then I'm like, 
after the Usos, what exactly is there? No, to Drew. Do? Drew. Drew said that they be, that that they would be better off, and I gave that point right back to him, and I said I think Omega would fare better over there. Yeah, yeah, he would. I mean, yeah. but after the Usos, what the hell are the Young Bucks gonna do in WWE? Nothing. There is nothing for them to do. And you know they were they're gonna give us the Usos and the Bucks forty seven times, yeah. You know before WrestleMania, dude. There is forty seven matches and uh, fucking forty seven thousand super kicks later. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the the Bucks have to stay here. Kenny, you can do uh, you can the world is your oyster. Yeah, you know. But tag teams and a top tag team like this, no, bro. You be fighting the maximum male models, bro. No, there's nothing to do past the Usos. That's it. New Day? What? I mean, what'll be? What? No. M. James with a $5 super chat. Being there live gave me goosebumps like I'd never gotten before when Final Countdown played the roof. Damn near blew off the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, man, that, they came off great on TV, too, brother. Yeah, yeah. That's a great fucking song and uh, good on TK for buying the rights to that song. Rob Herring Jr. with a $2 super chat. I guess they cut the Adam Cole match. They did. Adam Cole was uh, under the weather. He was not feeling good tonight. Was not medically cleared. It may be food poisoning. He might have had something in Canada. I, I don't know. I, I mean, people are going to assume it's another injury. Uh, we should not uh, disrespect Cole like that and not assume and report something that we don't know. Uh, we'll just give uh, Cole time to recuperate and hopefully get back to TV Wednesday. Johnny Cloud with 21 months. Three months till my gold mic. I have had about 20 adult beverages today, and I'm going to sleep. Love this family and acknowledge my IWC tribal chief. Thank you, Johnny Cloud. Get some rest, brother. It's a lot of cold beverages. Melvin with a five. Anyway, AEW can work with Impact and NWA in next year's Forbidden Door. No. Nobody cares about uh, NWA. Um, I was thinking that, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm biased because I'm covering Impact, but I was thinking that Impact could join the Forbidden Door next I, year. I'd like to see them. Because they're already working with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'd like to see that. I would like to as well. I would like to add them to, to the mix. To, uh, to freshen things up. Yeah. I think that's a possibility. Yep. Cameron Battle of the 499 JD tonight was insane. Also excited for the WWE Money in the Bank. Hunter looking at this show saying... His good old black and gold speech, we're going to show them, show them all. Bro, Triple H is not in charge, and Triple H has no say over anything, uh, and Vince McMahon has uh, basically taken the reins over again. They want you to think Triple H is in charge, but uh, he is no longer in charge. He was never in charge. We can put on a better show, pal. Give them Omos. Apparently Ah. uh, apparently that insider on Twitter, BWE, Better Wrestling Experience, reported that Nick Khan and Triple H are set to discuss this with Vince McMahon because there's frustration right now in creative. You think? Yeah. <laughs> and what is Triple H going to do? He's going to he's going to argue his case, or is he going to say, "Oh, please, please, pops, can I push EO and LA Knight to win Money in the Bank?" <laughs> Nothing. Begging Nothing. for his fucking talent to get over. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure Triple H will fight for his people. Don't get me wrong, but. That fight just falls on death ears. Yeah. Maybe Tony Khan can can make Vince listen. Not uh, Tony Khan. Maybe Nick, Nick Khan can make Vince listen. Uh, maybe. But Triple H ain't no, no. It's hitting the dirt sheets, man. Nick Khan's looking like a fucking liar every time this shit breaks on uh, Monday and Friday. And uh, Edmund Van Buren with a 10 months after Omega and Osprey, the bloodline civil war has to continue 
uh, has to deliver, in my opinion. You guys get some rest, y'all. I appreciate you, Edmund. Um, the Bloodline Civil Why are you comparing the Bloodline Civil War with Omega Osprey? Two completely different stories, bro. It's going to be a great match on uh, Money in the Bank Saturday, but uh, I'm not comparing it to Omega Osprey because right now nothing's going to be able to be compared to that after what we saw. No. no. Anyway, Jesse, uh, that is it, man. It is uh, 2.30. We got out of here in less time than I expected, man. We're not here for three hours talking about this fucking show. Awesome. Great. Get out of here. Uh, Any parting words before uh, I hit the, the Mustang and hit the road, man? No, man. Thanks for everyone being here. I know it's late. You guys are all tired. We are tired. But, hey, man, this is what we do. Yeah. So, thanks for showing up. Join me on um, Wednesday. I'll be back here. Join you on Thursday for Impact Live Reviews. Uh, And then, yeah, Saturday is going to be Money in the Bank. So, it's going to be a busy day, guys. So, uh, Money in the Bank is going to be happening at 3 p.m. on Saturday. And then oh, you still doing collision? I'll be live and I'm gonna do collision. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's gonna be a busy day, man. All right, I'll be here for collision. There you go. So thank you guys for joining me, man. Uh, hit that thumbs up. We hit a thousand likes. I appreciate you. Thank you for the super chat love. Thank you for the memberships tonight. Thank you for the recommitments to the VIP club here on OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And next time you see me, we'll be live on Monday night tonight. From Monday Night Raw right here on OTS. Thank you guys for a great stream. You made us number one tonight, minus the post-show media scrum for AEW. And like I said, you'll see me live in the venue tomorrow night for Raw, guys. Have a great night, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow night. Resort, suffocation, no breathing, don't get